and we are interrupting our regularly scheduled programming to bring you a special live broadcast today. Apologies to folks who are enjoying that rerun of Truth to Power. We're going to take the power today here and bring you down to the University of Louisville's campus. We're really excited to be participating today in the Louisville Maker Fair. I believe it's the third one ever held here in Louisville. Maker Fairs are a global movement of creatives and makers and innovators of all kinds and we really want to encourage you to come on down and make something fun something that matters come visit our booth here at forward radio we're here representing making community media that matters together but there are all kinds of makers here at today's maker fair my name is justin mogg i'm excited to be volunteering today with forward radio and bringing you some live coverage from the Maker Fair that is running until 6 p.m. It kicked off at 10 a.m. here at the University of Louisville's main campus in the Student Activity Center. All the uh, activities today through 6 o'clock are centered around the iconic clock tower at the Student Activity Center. So if you're uh, out and about in town and trying to navigate your way down to the Maker Fair today, just look for that clock tower and you will find an incredible number of makers all kinds of folks uh, visiting today. This is a very family-friendly event. It's a great thing to do with the kids if you're looking for something to do today that'll uh, stimulate the minds of young people. Well, you're going to see all kinds of cool stuff here with robots and science and artists and glass blowing. And hey, if you want to just come grab lunch, I noticed on the way in that there's some tasty-looking food trucks out there. So. Lots of opportunities to enjoy the Maker Fair today. And uh, when you're here, stop by the Ford Radio booth. We're up here in the main ballroom on the second floor of the Student Activities Center. And our uh, co-founder, Ruth Newman, is here staffing the booth. Uh, really excited to greet you and tell you about what we do here at Forward Radio, get you involved in the station uh, but we're also partnering today with the League of Women Voters, and I'm excited to interview one of the representatives of the League of Women Voters. Tell us your name and what you do. Hi, my name's Roxanne Sturdivant, and I'm here today uh, teaching people how to register to vote. Ah. So you could register your family, your friends, your uh, church, any group that you can think of. Uh, I'll show you how to do that. I'll show you how to apply for an absentee ballot. If you're a college student, you might want to think about getting an absentee ballot instead of planning to go home to right. vote, if, especially if you live out of state. Right. That would be way more convenient. Uh, I know I did that when I was a college student. I registered to vote where I lived. That just makes sense, right? Uh, and and helping uh, change the political landscape. Uh, so I guess in a way you're here to help us make democracy better. Absolutely, absolutely. Those registrations have to be done by October 11th. So you've got about a month to get this done. And you can, if you've got a cell phone or a computer, you can do this from home. You don't oh. have to come down here. Oh. But So all you want to do is type in the words... All, all it's one word, go vote ky.com. And that will take you to a website where you can do all this. You can get an absentee ballot. You can update your registration. You know, if you've moved since the last time you voted, 
you want your registration to be accurate. And you might just want to check to see that your registration is on file and active and somebody didn't accidentally remove you from the voting uh -huh. rolls. <laughs> so you can do that too at GoVoteKY.com. GoVoteKY.com. You can do this online, but if you have questions... Maybe you could come on down to our booth here. The Forward Radio booth is sharing uh, with the League of Women Voters, who we've partnered with on many things to help make our democracy more vibrant and get people involved, civically involved, uh, knowledgeable about their candidates, too. The League does a lot of work to help people understand who their candidates are, right? We do candidate forums, but of course we cannot endorse any individual candidate. But we do have a, a whole string of candidate forums coming up. Oh, Can't tell you those off the top of my head. I'm sure that if you went to lwvky.org, you could get the list there. League of Women Voters, lwvky.org is the place to go to get connected with local candidate forums that are happening right here in Louisville. Uh, and you've even got information about amendments, not just candidates, right? Right. There are two amendments on the ballot. Constitutional. This, right. The, the changing the Kentucky Constitution. That is not an easy thing to do. It's not something we want to do lightly. Uh, the, the First Amendment allows the legislature to call itself into session whenever it wants to. So uh, that costs money, that costs the voters money. So at this point, it's the governor that ca would call the legislature into session. That's Amendment 1. Amendment 2 says that there is no constitutional right to choose an abortion in Kentucky. So if you vote yes for that, you're saying you have no right to choose. If you vote no, you're saying, no, I do have a right to choose to have an abortion in Kentucky. So it's an important amendment, an important choice. Yeah, I, th I thought that was up to the Supreme Court. I, I, <laughs> this, this issue has really been in the news lately, and I don't know that everybody realizes that there is a a vote, an opportunity for the citizens of Kentucky to actually vote on this issue coming up. Exactly, right. So it really is, what the Supreme Court did really bounced it to the states, and each state is making up its own mind right now. We've had Kansas already vote, and they voted no. They feel like women have a right to choose in, Can in Kansas. So uh, we'll see what the Kentucky voters think. It's important. It, if you only care about that, vote in the election, um, you know, come and, come and vote. It's important. November 8th is the day to vote. October 11th is the day that you have to have your registration completed. And there'll be early voting again in Kentucky, right? That's standard practice now, not just a COVID thing? Yes, that's true. They're doing uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday before the election. And the elections are always on Tuesdays for some reason. I wish they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but, in the, you know, the day of the election, you can only vote between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. So if you those hours are not convenient for you, as they are not for most working people, uh, you want to vote early. Yeah, so come on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, and uh, I believe the hours are going to be 6 to 8 those days. Right. And normally, uh, I think it's 6 to 6 for right. the...
Tuesday general election that's happening in November. Uh, but what we're trying to get people aware of right now is that deadline to get yourself registered to vote. Again, it's October 11th. Exactly. And you can do it online at GoVoteKY.com, or you can do it right here at our booth at the Louisville Maker Fair. We'll be here at the booth through 6 p.m. today at the University of Louisville's main campus, right at the clock tower. We are in the Student Activity Center ballroom up on the second floor. Uh, and this is your chance to make a democracy that works for the people, that represents the people. Uh, we've heard so many stories about how our democracy is fractured and broken right now, right? Uh, and that can be dispiriting. But the voters are still the ones deciding, right? And it's, it's still vital that we show up to vote, even though we have things like gerrymandering, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. More important to vote now than ever. And a lot of people may not know that if you have a son or daughter who will be 18 by November 8th, the oh, day yeah. of the election, they can register to vote as long as they do it before October 11th and show up and vote this year. That's right. We're going to have new voters. We're always having new voters, right, as people age in to the voting populace and turn 18. Um, so getting registered to vote, you don't just do it once in life. You do it multiple times if you move, right? Move. That's right. And if you're a new citizen to this country, oh, of course, you, you can register to vote. And, they, again, a new citizen can do that on the Internet at GoVoteKentucky.com. Is it just citizens? Maybe you know or not. I'm sorry to throw this question on you but i've always wondered about like permanent residents and green card holders can they vote uh, you must be a citizen okay okay mm -hmm. all right so if you're a new citizen of the united states or if you're turning 18 by election day in november you need to get registered to vote now the deadline for that is october 11th you can do it at govoteky.com uh, and then check out the league of women voters throughout the rest of the fall for their excellent candidate forums uh, do, you, do you publish a guide that uh, do you ask questions of candidates and you get responses back? I, I know you've done that in the past. Yeah, I'm, honestly, I don't know what we're doing okay. this year about that. I wish I could tell you okay. more about <laughs> it, but uh, there will be forums and most of those are in the libraries. So, yeah. yeah. So check out the forums throughout the fall. Again, more information is on their website, lwvky.org, is it? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and again, we're here at the Louisville Maker Fair today interviewing all of the mini makers. We're just talking about making democracy better, but people are making things like rockets and robots. And there's even another booth here about podcasting. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to interviewing those people. Uh, Ruth, you've been here helping set up the booth today. Are you excited to be back out in the community, or are you scared about COVID? <laughs> yes, well, you see, I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> yes, and I do feel a little bit uneasy yeah. being indoors with a lot of people circulating around. Yeah. But it's just part of being human, and I'm so happy to be here, and there's just so much going on at this fair. I'm just excited about it. You know, and this is a great week for us to be out in the community, too, because Give for Good Louisville is coming up on Thursday, and it's a great opportunity for us to remind people that this is your opportunity to support nonprofit organizations like Forward Radio on Thursday, all day long, 24 hours, 
from midnight up until 11.59 p.m. We want you to go to FordRadio.org and click the banner at the top. It'll send you right to the page at GiftForGoodLouisville.org where we are hoping you will contribute some of your hard-earned funds to help keep us on the air. And the Community Foundation of Louisville is providing some matching funds, right, Ruth? (laughs) Yes, indeed. And in order to find that out, I think you have to go to the, what, Give for good Louisville.org and find out what those matching funds are. Yeah. There's all kinds of really, really cool stuff going on. Yeah. So go there and find Forward Radio. I think um, I think we're one of the bulwarks right now of of democracy in in, in Louisville because we our whole point is engagement, empowerment of the people by the people. So the more that we can start exciting and inspiring other community members, the more that we can be what we are, what our vision and our and our values are all about in this country, and that and that's all about public interest. And this is radio in the public interest, something that we don't have enough of in this country. So I hope that you'll support Forward Radio, and we would love for people to come to our website, forwardradio.org, find out what kinds of programs we're airing, see if they have any ideas that they might think of some things that they might want to talk about. We have one-time shows. You can come on the air just one time and don't even have to have any technical skills. We'll do all the technical so we'd love to have the community participate, become radioactive, get involved in our in our faltering democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you could come learn how to do an access hour or be a guest on a program right here at our booth in the Louisville Maker Fair today through 6 p.m. Come on out to the U of L's campus in the Student Activity Center up on the second floor ballroom is where you can find us through 6. And you can talk to wonderful volunteers like Ruth about how to get involved in making media together. Uh, But I just want to get back to Give for Good Louisville because one of the things I love about it, it speaks to a lot of what we do as a station. It's not just about raising money for us, but for supporting so many nonprofits in our community that Forward Radio supports throughout the year by giving them a microphone and by bringing together all these different organizations in our community in one station, right? That, that's always been a vision of yours, Ruth, since the founding, right? Exactly. You, you just spoke my, my, my passion right now because um, Give for Good is getting all of the people together to support and engage with all of the nonprofits that are servicing this community. But... Forward Radio is trying to do that 24-7, not only on September 15th, but every single day of the week. And so we want to become an institution like a public forum because we don't have enough public forums anymore. We don't have town halls. And um, what we've got instead is a lot of um, shopping malls and a lot of um, you know social media but here at forward radio we not only have points of view from diverse communities but we have people that can train you that can train you in critical thinking that can train you on how to be a citizen journalist and how to get your ideas out without being disrespectful like you see so often on social media and being just very thoughtful respectful 
and to the point what topic you want to talk about and sticking to it. So we're there to mentor and to coach and to help our citizens all become involved in this democracy that we so call the so-called democracy that we have in in our country today <laughs> no that's a great point ruth we are live broadcasting today from the louisville maker fair forward radio is here through 6 p.m at the uofl student activity center in the second floor ballroom but there are booths scattered all about around the clock tower here outside they've got glass blowing going on they've got rocketry uh they've got robots We've got. I'm looking at bicycles right across the way, and I'm really looking forward to wandering around the fair to interview some of the many participants today. Uh, I'm hoping that my co-host Brian Barnes will join me soon. I bet he's listening right now and struggling to get here, but we hope to see you soon, Brian, and we will interview some of these other many makers here uh, at U of L at the Louisville Maker Fair today in its third year uh, been on hold uh, last Maker Fair was pre-pandemic in in 2019 I remember it well also here at U of L but in a different location uh, and it was a multi-day event I remember and and Forward Radio had a booth there as well and it was just so much fun wandering the fair and learning from all these creative and innovative people about what they do and how they do it and why they're so passionate about it and and for me, it really spoke to the, the value of community radio is we put a megaphone in front of people's passions and let them share those passions with you, the community, to get more people involved and to build that community and to celebrate what is so great about a place like Louisville with so many creative and interesting people, right? That's what we're all about here at Forward Radio, and we're so great grateful to the organizers of the Louisville Maker Fair for bringing these many creative people together and, and, and letting us have a booth here too to share with you all. Um, we are here through 6 p.m. There are many different volunteers who are going to be staffing the booth. Ruth is here right now. I see Vincent Gonzalez and Michael T. from Community Control now. Hey Vincent, how are you doing today? I think I saw a robot dog here, man. It's pretty fun. It's a trip, man. It's good to be here. Yeah. Good to see, man. It's so good to see uh, Vincent and Michael. You know, I hear their voices on the radio all the time, and I just don't get to see them face to face enough. But this is great uh, to have you here. Uh, what is it you like to make? Oh, man. Try to make progressive change there in my community. You know what I mean? That was kind of a softball line, but I know, I'll, right? I'll take it, man. We're, I'm, 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 I'm open for business. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, yeah, we're, we, you know, we're trying to make some grassroots change on a local level because, you know, that's where most of the decisions are made in your everyday life, you know, yeah. is, is, you know, and understanding what's going on. And, you know, I feel like we're, we're in some form of like, uh, I don't want to call it necessarily a renaissance, but um, uh, it's cool to know what's going on civically um you know of course you know trump and those guys you know you got to pay attention to them they, they don't stop doing stuff but uh state local level and having an understanding of that and that's cool to be a part of like lo um local grassroots radio where yes. they're like people are studying these things and have something to say about them in a you know in a progressive fashion like we're not just sitting on what's going on now you know so glad yes. to be a part of the uh Playtone Galaxy of Stars here, man. It's <laughs> up. 
you know, this might be a good opportunity to give folks a little preview of what's coming up. With you're going to do a breakfast yes, for community yes, control yes. now. I want to hear about that. Yeah, let's let's talk about it here. Yeah, man, you're you're like a, a, a pitch man to kind of like. <laughs> This is this is this is above your station, man. No, this is great, man. But uh, right on. But no, um, October 11th at the UU Church, we're having an event. This is uh, under the banner of Community Control. Now we're having a vegan breakfast teaching. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm I'm a principal vegan. Been this way for a couple of years here, and uh, just want to do in the same um, fashion of like grassroots organizing, where um, all the persons in this town who are like working towards. Um, you know, a, a, a more a more progressive direction yeah. here. Um, you know, we don't you don't you don't get the platforms as as often as other folks. So, um, we, we, I hope we can all have come together, do some like short teachings on um, what some of the work is, and hopefully come to some uh, some consensus and some solidarity. You know, that's a and you know, good food doesn't hurt nobody. So, <laughs> that's you right. know, it's a full circle uh, service here. So. Um, October 11th, we're at 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. We'll be in the multi-purpose room, and uh, yeah, come check this out, man. I'll be I'll be on the uh, the grill here, so hope to. Uh, I've been known to burn a couple of things, so like ho <laughs> hopefully like, catch Keep me on a good high. day here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, that's really interesting. We heard about October 11th. You know, that's the deadline to get registered to vote. Oh wow, man! <laughs> the, the hits keep coming here. Yeah, man. So yeah, this uh, October 11th. I mean, you know, because of midterm elections, you know, going back to what I was saying, it's uh, it's, it's key and, and essential to pay attention to those because you know, it, in the federal years, those kind of um, you know, we get lost in the sauce. But right, the powers that be, they're making a lot of decisions on our behalf in a, in a representative. Uh, government you know what i mean so yeah it's like key in there i mean we are we going are we going to be registering people to vote there man Let's, hey hey jiffy lou we'll be a full service <laughs> one stop shop here man we can do, it, do whatever we need to do but um no it's good stuff man and uh yeah yeah hopefully you know people can uh key in and uh what's that uh i think booker's going up against uh uh, Paul there, and uh, so that's a that's a nationwide race. A lot of you know the eyes of the, eyes the are country us, are yep. checking out. Um, you know, statewide here, what's what's going on, yep. and um, you know, it'd be good to show them that like, hey, we you know we got some folk here that are making some you know making some changes in a in a in a better direction here. So it's good stuff, man. Yeah, yep. hopefully yeah, everybody come out and see us here. Yeah. So I want to ask you, Vincent, community control now. It's it rose out of the Breonna Taylor protests, right? Yeah. This was a, a reaction to police violence and, and the people rising up and saying, we want control of the police because we don't trust yes. the way the police have been operated. But, but I believe you are moving into more than just community control of policing, right? This, yeah. is, this is a broader movement for direct democracy, right? Absolutely, yeah, just um, all the institutions that rule our lives. There you go. Um, you know, shoot the water system, <laughs> yes. electricity. You know, Utilities, what I mean, every yeah. all the things. I, I had to um, I had to go back and do like civics education. Yes. About like I had to go to like the children's section of the library and look up. Okay, because I was out in the streets and I was saying things and I didn't necessarily know. You yeah. know, one to one what those things. You know, they're just platitudes or just you know sure. words that we say because you know it sounds cool in front of a microphone, but truly understanding like the uh the day-to-day -day decisions and the people who control the money you know we, we're, we're, we're political in the sense that like there's a pot of money 
and it's uh, it's like a George Carlin joke. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, the people who control uh, these, these, you know, this this wealth of resources, they're not going to clearly. You look around for two seconds. It's clearly not going to the people who are most aggrieved by these systems. So, you know, we got something to say about that. We're we're charging that. Um, we find that to be monastic. That's that's a. Uh, um, that's not the, the the world we want to live in, you know yeah. what I mean? So like we we're we're hoping to change that into a more progressive future here. Can you grab Michael T? I'd love to ask him a few questions too. Michael T, you are going to be producing a theatrical piece about Ida B. Wells. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. And you're looking for potential actors. Yeah, people on stage and off stage. Everybody doesn't have okay. to be an actor. Okay. And, uh, we need people to move some, you know, props or work on the door or hand out some flyers. So it's not all acting. Uh, but uh, yes, and that's tentatively scheduled for uh, April. And, and we're doing we're doing uh, well. We don't have the locations okay. for that yet, but okay. we are doing a dramatic reading ah. on the twenty fifth. For the 11 o'clock worship service at UU Church. 25th of? September. September, coming up. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. And these are pieces that you've written or what? Yes. It's a play that um, it revolves around the life of Ida B. Wells, but I've set it in Louisville. Nice. Because in my research, I found out that um, she'd actually visited Louisville. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, Louisville, you know, had a movement in 1905, you know, small movement like a lot of cities. Uh, that was a period right after the defeat of Reconstruction. Ah, uh, yes. And many black leaders and would-be leaders like Ida B. Wells, they were looking at how do we resurrect this movement? You know, this is post-abolition. We're not struggling against slavery now. We're supposed to have citizenship rights. <laughs> but do we? All of that's being violated. <laughs> yes. We're basically almost in the same boat we were before. Yeah. So I imagine that there was this big convention being held here in Louisville. Wow. You know, since, you know, there had been, you know, some motion here before. And, you know, some of the prominent people in the movement, some fictitious characters I've <laughs> made up, um, are here in Louisville to plan how to resurrect this movement in the 20th century. Meanwhile, a renowned eugenicist who's a real person, this guy named Madison Grant, who, who Hitler, whose book called The Passing of the Great Race, Hitler considered to be his Bible. Oh. And it kind of speaks to, I mean, where did fascism really come from? Right. So kind of, you know, that's the antagonist. And uh, they're planning to disrupt this convention. Oh, wow. Grant and his boys. So... You got some built-in drama right there. Yeah, yeah, what I do. Yeah, yeah. That is so exciting. Uh, Michael T., of course, making theater as well as radio. And uh, you could come talk to him today at the Louisville Maker Fair. I don't know if there's anybody else who's doing theater here, but there's all kinds of makers. And we will be here through 6 p.m. I'm seeing robots pass by. I'm seeing people on these, what do you call those... One-wheeled skateboardy things, <laughs> unicycles, right? <laughs> uh, we are going to interview today some of the many different makers who are here at the Louisville Maker Fair. You are listening to a special live broadcast here on Forward Radio. 
uh, 106.5 FM. We are coming to you live from the University of Louisville's campus. We're bringing you highlights today from the Louisville Maker Fair. It's free and open to the public. Started at 10 a.m. and it goes through 6 p.m. Today, all around the Student Activity Center and the iconic clock tower here at UofL, there are outdoor booths doing things like glass blowing and rocketry, and there are indoor booths like ours up here on the second floor of the Student Activity Center in the big new fancy new ballroom it's a lovely space we've got in here uh and we are you know good socially distanced if you're worried about that ruth was expressing some concerns about covid certainly masks are encouraged and welcome uh but there's also you know it's not too crowded it's not cheek to jowl this ain't the state fair uh, but there are quite a few people here checking out some of the awesome makers who are out on the scene and doing interesting things. And uh, we want to bring you their voices today and share with you what they're doing. So if you can't make it out, just sit back and enjoy this live broadcast today. Uh, and we will also put a podcast version of this broadcast up on our feed at forwardradio.org uh, so you can tell your friends or catch the rest later. Uh, my name is Justin Mogg. I'm one of the many volunteers here at Forward Radio who makes this station happen. And we at our booth are encouraging you to come and make media that matters with us. That's why we're at a Maker Fair because it takes volunteers doing the work uh, to get this thing going. And we can do a little uh, demo while you're at our booth. Uh, a little later on, we'll have a microphone and some recording equipment. Uh, and maybe we could get you to do a station ID for us. Wouldn't that be fun? You could record your own voice uh, and have it broadcast on our station at the top of the hour. We're a community radio station, and we want all of the voices in the community represented on our station and of course it's too much to expect that everybody's going to do a weekly program we don't need that but we could get your voice doing a station id and yeah if you are interested in doing a weekly program well now's a great time to come on down to the louisville maker fair and talk to us about that and how you do it uh we are excited to share with you uh how to get involved and make something with us um so, you know, this amazing event is put on uh, with the help of many volunteers. Uh, any makers want to talk live on the radio here? <laughs> are you all volunteering with the Maker Fair? We are volunteering here at the Maker Fair. And you all are from First Build? We are. Tell us about First Build. It's a makerspace, right? Correct. So we're an innovation lab of GE Appliances, uh, and it's also open makerspace for the community. So. Uh, we're open from uh, 5 to 9 on weekdays, or 5 to 8 on weekdays, and 9 to 5 on Saturdays for anyone to come in, use the makerspace. Anyone? Do you have to pre-register or what? You can uh, reserve a tool on our website, oh, wow. um, or you, we're open to walk-ins as well. Oh, wow. So I don't need to know how to use the tools? There'll be somebody there who can help me? Uh, so we're not really there to teach people how to use the tools. Uh, we have tools av available, and there are tutorials for some tools. Okay. Uh, but then for other tools, you can take classes. Uh, there, you can register on our website, and there's classes you can learn to use some of the tools uh, in our back shop. And I can buy some basic materials there? We do. We do have materials there for sale. You can buy wood. We have scrap steel there. Uh, a lot of stuff that you could use to make stuff. Okay, so when you say tools, I'm a gardener. I think about, like rakes and shovels and hose but you're not talking about those kinds of tools what are you talking about no we got like shop tools we got table saw 
um, all the woodworking tools, planer, joiner, miter saw. Then we have a metal shop area. We have sheet metal tools, press break, wow. um, shears. We have a water jet that's uh, available for the community to use. You have to pay for the garnet that you use and the time that you use. Okay. But a water jet you can come there and use. Uh, wow. We have a whole metal shop with uh, welding equipment you can come wow. in and use. Yep. Uh, and then in our front maker space that's open 100% of the time, um, we have hand tools, drills, uh, jigsaws, stuff like that. Is there a 3D printer? There are. There are 3D printers there, too. Lasers as well. Lasers? Yep, lasers. Wow. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. <laughs> okay. You've got good liability insurance, I'm sure. Uh, so this is a, is this a collaboration between GE and UofL? Is that how to think of it? Kind of. Yep. And GE is interested in this because they're interested in innovation? Correct. And can you see any, like, future GE products if I go to first build? You can, yep. The Opal Nugget Ice Maker came out of GE. Oh, the yeah. Forge Ice Press, the Paragon Induction Mat. Right now, uh, the Mellow Mushroom Grower is coming out of first build. Uh, and uh, Indoor Smoker that we recently just launched. Indoor Smoker? That's blowing my mind. Wow, that is so cool. All right. So uh, if people wanted to maybe learn more about the space, and you, you mentioned reserving tools, uh, where do they go online? Go to firstbuild.com. Is that spelled out F-I-R-S-T? B-U-I-L-D. <laughs> all right, all right, good. <laughs> and they're located right there at Floyd Street and Brandeis, right near us here at the Student Activity Center. Uh, so you all have helped make this Louisville Maker Fair happen. Is this the third year now? I believe so, yeah. third year. Yep. We took a big COVID break. Yep. <laughs> and was First Build closed during COVID too? We were. Yeah. We were. Yes. Yep. So we're now we're back open. It's good to be back, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, do you have any idea how many makers there are here today? Uh, 50. Wow, we got 50 different makers? Uh, all kinds of I've seen robots. I've seen rocketry. Any, have you noticed a favorite one yet? Uh, I saw a robot dog walking around. That was pretty cool. <laughs> So wait, I could come on out to UofL and learn how to make a robot dog? I saw one walking around. <laughs> that is awesome. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, the whole point of this is to just expose people to creative and innovative ideas, right? And get them involved in making all kinds of things like we here at Forward Radio make radio together. Uh, but we'd love to get you out uh, on UofL's campus. It's free and open to the public, right? That's correct. And there's food trucks. There are. <laughs> Is there any entertainment, or is it just the robot dogs? Uh, I saw some other robots walking around, too. So Yeah. I remember last time in 2019, there were some musical performances. People were making music. I, I guess that's not a part of this year's. Yeah, I'm not sure about music, okay. but I know that Colin Sage, uh, the previous winner of Forged in Fire, is down there forging right now, making swords. Oh, my God. <laughs> Speaking of danger, will there be a sword fight later? I don't know about a sword fight. But he is hammering steel. <laughs> Colin Sage, check him out on Instagram. All right, so I, can I talk to some of you guys too? You seem to have a lot to say you want to add. No? Okay, all right, I'll just keep talking to you. Uh, tell me what people can see here at your booth. Describe for our listeners what's in front of us. So here at our first build booth, we have three sections, ideate, co-create, and make. And they kind of describe our the, the three steps in the process that we take uh, when designing new products. So... Coming up with oh. new ideas, co-creating with the community, and then actually making. Okay, so we're standing here at co-create. Tell me what I'm looking at. What are these things? <laughs> so 
So right here in the <laughs> co-create booth, a few of the things you're looking at. This is an early prototype of the indoor smoker. So that oh, uh, product yeah, yeah. I was telling you about the indoor smoker. Uh, so it originally started out as like a microwave style shape and through yeah. co-creation, uh, we were able to refine our prototype and come up with something that people were more inclined to put in their kitchens. All right. And then I see uh, this has to make some amazing coffee, right? Yep. So that was a cold <laughs> brew, uh, cold brew machine that we co-created with the community as well. It was a passion project of one of our makers at First Build. Uh, and so this was one of the early stage prototypes. And my, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name yet. Steven. Steven's here. My friend, my co-host, Brian Barnes, has just joined us. Brian, what the heck is that thing we're looking at? That's a coffee maker. <laughs> They're all coffee makers. No question, no question whatsoever. Okay, no, I'm wrong. It's not a coffee maker. I mean, it looks futuristic. I can see, though, like you lift it up and the, you put the coffee in there. No. It's a... What is it now? It's a ball crusher. <laughs> Everybody, is that a liquid? I'm not sure you can say that. <laughs> no, this is a solid. So what you do, this is a heated ice press. Heated what? ice press? Yes. That was my second guess. It was not. <laughs> it was, no, I was getting there. I was getting there. All right. So what you do is you take a solid billet of clear ice, and you put it in this thing, and it will press out all the extra ice so that when it's done, you end up with a perfect sphere of clear ice, just like this. And this is how you get the opals too? Is that a different thing? No, completely oh, unrelated. Completely, <laughs> completely unrelated. Well, what? what do you do with this? You, you put it in the perfect drink. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this is for the bar. That's right. This is absolutely yeah. for your bar. Oh, 100%. I guess you can do whatever you want with it technically. But <laughs> yeah, most put a people, slingshot? No, that would be very dangerous. Okay, okay, all right. Most people definitely put this, you know, if you're drinking a high-end cocktail, a high-end drink, this yeah. is this is for that, that customer. Could you do it with, like, frozen Gatorade so you get some color? ones that would probably be blasphemy but you could okay. <laughs> is this thing hard to clean not at all super easy to clean because well, you, you only put water in it that's right that's yeah, right. Okay, all right basically you're always cleaning <laughs> wow this is an item that every person needs to have in their home right brian every restaurant at least in louisville needs one of these yeah definitely come and see the future of ice here at the first build booth in this. I didn't this even know Ice had a future, and I show up, and it's like, whoa! Better than a coffee maker, by the way. Way better. Way better yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point about the Ice not having a future given global climate change. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, are we are we starting there? It's still it's still early here at first it build. It's not even but new. there have to be a few, a few technologies here that are addressing that problem. You're making a lot of assumptions, sir, that there'll be Ice. Well, that's okay. Well, people are flocking around to see the future of ice. Uh, yeah, we'll let you do the thing. There are there are many tables here at the first build booth. It's pretty exciting to see all these crazy things. I, it's, these look like other versions of the the ice maker, the perfect ice maker. It looks like three D printed items uh, that you can make at the first build. Um, and wow, the indoor smoker, I believe that's what that is. That's not the prototype, but the eject pellets button wow i mean what can you do with these things it's pretty incredible um so over at the make side of the first build booth they have some of the basic elements from which you would construct these the future of ice for instance uh and these are the these are these are the kinds of things you can make at first build with the materials available uh, you could certainly pick up a first build sticker while you're here uh, and there is a giant wheel of fun 
uh, and someone is going to have to explain the multiple levels of fun. Hey, <laughs> good to see you. What's your name? I'm Tim Martin. Nice to meet you. Hey, Tim, good to see you. Uh, we are live broadcasting here on Forward Radio at the Louisville Maker Fair through 6 o'clock at the Student Activity Center. Uh, what is this triple wheel of fun? This is the idea wheel. So the point of the idea wheel is to help us generate new ideas. So this outer layer has uh, all the different topics. Like dishwashing, indoor cooking, drink prep, smart cleaning. I forget we got to explain everything. Yeah, no, people aren't looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> and then in here we've got, um, I guess, kind of age group. And then the Gen X, millennial. Okay. And then the third wheel, um, I can't read it right now. Suburban, urban, nomadic, and rural. Exactly. So the okay, idea so here is to spin this and then come up with a product. You want to help me with that? Well, Brian's going to spin. I, oh, Brian oh, is going to spin the wheel. Do I spin them all? Oh, spin them all. All at once? All three? Yeah, uh, Hey, hope the cord doesn't get caught. Oh, we... That's the sound of ideas being generated. It is an idea-generating analog machine in this technical day and age one would think there would be an online app for this <gasps> indoor cooking brian indoor did you know cooking. that you would be generating ideas about indoor cooking when you came today i didn't know that but i can imagine there are great products here especially if if ice is part of this oh my goodness okay the, the okay generation. we have landed on indoor cooking silent generation i didn't even know that was a term but it's yeah. the 1928 to 45 generation and rural okay what the heck tim what does that mean well, now we want to come up with a product uh, for this. That's our jiggler. That's okay. We could talk over the jiggler. Okay. So we want to come up with a product that does indoor cooking for the, for the silent generation that lives in a rural area. You mean like in their day, what would they have invented? Or today, what do we? What would we invent? For, what do they need today? Okay. So we got to think about... Critical thinking for everyone, Brian. Yeah, right, we ready. have to think about the people in the silent generation. If you were born in 1928 and you're yeah. alive in 2022, yeah. you've got some heavy needs. Yes, you do, and you're gonna and and you're <laughs> probably indoor cooking is gonna be something that uh, that would be an important thing to think about how to do it in the right way for these conditions. You don't want to burn yourself. And you can't just run out to Walmart to pick up another one of whatever because we're in a, a rural, well maybe Walmart, but we can't run out to very many places. <laughs> Because we're supposed to be in a rural setting, so right, right. so yeah. Not in the country, I might cook out on a grill, but I have to do. You I have to invent a product for. It's freezing outside. It's, it's winter. Good point. It's yeah, winter yeah. in the silent generation, uh -huh, <laughs> and uh -huh. I've got to come up with some indoor cooking product. And it's easy for me to get cold at this point. Okay, so for me, I would think indoor cooking product for this kind of generation. I'm thinking something easy like microwave, right? Yeah, sure, but. What do they want to cook? I think that's the first question that we should ask. What would people in the silent generation want to eat? Well, that's a good question. I mean, they'd want to eat, they'd want to eat the food they've been eating their whole lives, but much of it might have been food that was cooked by people around them if right. we're in this rural setting. Right. So it's difficult to replicate that stuff without a lot of effort. I'm thinking steak and potatoes. Steak and potatoes, <laughs> but then we do we have to. Sure, but how are you going to make the steak inside? What's the uh, what's the invention there? How are we yeah, I wouldn't want to make a steak in a microwave. I mean, Brian and I are vegan. We shouldn't be talking about steak. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, about steak. <laughs> I understand microwaves are bad for it. No, I think, but, but we want to stay away from knives. If we have maybe right. older people, okay. like like very older people, open flames. Not because they can't use these things, because they might stumble or drop something or something like that. 
so you'd want to be thoughtful about those things as part of the process. Well, to me, this seems like the ideal application for 3D food printing. Yes, that's perfect. That's exactly what we were going for. <laughs> I knew you guys would get there. <laughs> Wait, well, no matter how you fast. spin it, you end up at 3D food printing, yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's rigged. It's completely rigged. We're just trying to get people talking about our new 3D printing food pr <laughs> food maker. Well, you're there. Go ahead. You've got the radio. Tell us about it. How many people are listening to this? We don't know. It's live on the air on 106.5 wow. FM and forwardradio.org. Let's say for sure tens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Could be thousands, probably dozens. Yeah. Well, you could use our new indoor smoker. I don't know if you guys talk. Oh, yeah, the indoor smoker. We saw the prototype and then the later version. Yeah, this is completely rigged so that you think about the indoor smoker. Do you, under, do you understand how the indoor smoker works? Yeah, I do. How, where's no, the, one, no one told you about it? Where does the smoke they go? Showed it to us, There's so many we, smarter engineers. <laughs> but, then we, but then we immediately got sidetracked by the, by the uh, by perfect ice perfect ball. Perfect ice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. I think these two go together, by the way. Okay, so how does it work? Yeah. You've got the wood pellets. You heat them up, so generate some smoke, okay? With electricity? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. And then um, what you're going to do then is you've got a catalyst that finishes the combustion um, of that smoke and just turns it into air and water, pretty much. So it's going to come out as just odorless and, um, well, actually not odorless. But a really good not, odor, maybe. Yeah, a good, yeah, right? exactly. a good odor. Yeah, you're not going to be able to see it. Um, so. But I mean, I think about a and smoker. There's no carbon monoxide or anything. Yeah, so I mean, it, smokers sound dangerous inside, right? So this is innovating that. Yeah. So all of the smoke is getting pushed through this catalyst and then through a couple, uh, I think, carbon filters. So. Cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty safe. Okay. Um, and so you guys are working to make upscale meals at home, pretty much. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, you got kind of indoor I mean, smoker. You got the perfect ice cube. It just kind of depends on the day. I mean, we've got an artist paint washer, uh, paintbrush washer in the works right now. Okay. Uh, for Is that those pesky small? oil paints and stuff. Okay. Um, and then we've also got like an automated French press in the works. So okay. a lot of stuff going on. A lot okay. of cool stuff. Well, we're so happy that First Build exists as a space for people to create and to make. Uh, we want to remind people that they can make their own things at First Build and access these incredible tools that are hard to find that they probably don't want to own at home, right? Right, right. Uh, and materials. Yeah, uh, got everything. Come on down, guys. It's a blast. It's at uh, Brandeis and Floyd Street right next to us here at the Student Activity Center. Uh, open throughout the week to the public, uh, and you can access things you wouldn't get anywhere else. It's, it's really special about the makerspace right here on campus. I'm so glad it's here. Thanks for letting us know about this wheel of creativity. What is it called? The wheel of... Uh, the idea <laughs> wheel. The idea yeah. wheel. <laughs> All right, come on, spin the idea this wheel. The See these guys. Day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are fantastic. <laughs> are we yeah, looking no, forward no, to it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, tell us about the washer. Oh, this is the artist paintbrush washer, and basically what it does is it saves artists time. They spend 10 minutes just cleaning their each brush by hand, and this can do it in 10 minutes, but it can do like 10 to 15 of them. So it keeps their brushes safe, and it cleans them up real nice. Brian, I want you to describe this object for our listeners. Okay, so we have a bowl that you might eat a dessert out of at home, <laughs> sitting on a pedestal that you might use to sit your French press on. It's just about French press size. It's got a little switch on it. 
and then above that there's an arm that holds a disc and the disc has places I guess for paint brushes and of the, different sizes of different sizes and I'm it isn't operational it isn't being used right now but I assume the paint brushes are upside down and they sit in the bowl and then this spins them is that what happens or oh the bowl, the bowl spins. spins yeah because it'd be caught on the arm I'm not an engineer, but yeah. So yeah. It sounds like you are. Well, I'm I'm, inter I'm engineering adjacent. I'm interested. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty cool product. So what we do at First Build is actually pretty interesting. So we co-create with our our um, people, right? So our community members, and it's actually a very interesting place. But you can actually walk right in there and use our tools. Um, it's open to the community, so anybody can walk in there, build whatever they want to build. We just charge them for the materials that they use if they use any. Um, so we got laser cutters, drills, saws, 3D printers, you name it, we got it, right? And then in the back, we've got CNC mills, um, laser cutters, water jets, all that stuff. So th that stuff's a little bit more advanced. We can work with our community members so they can get back there too. But do people need to make an appointment to come in and do work? Yeah, so they can sign up at firstbuild.com and you can basically reserve some equipment if you need to or reserve time with us where we can give you an orientation to sort of like make sure you're safe in that space. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, this thing here has a lot of texture in the bottom, I guess, so you can uh, easily uh, knock the oil off of the brushes. What else is interesting about this to you? Uh, so what I think is really interesting about it is that this is just a prototype that we made in like a couple hours, right? Oh, wow. But what... What it really does is it allows us to go and ask the community, is this something you want? So we, we made some videos, we threw them up on Facebook, on uh, you know, Facebook slash oil painting, Reddit, yeah. all that kind of stuff, and we say, hey, you know, I know you guys have this problem, I'm an oil painter myself, I hate having to clean my brushes, and it takes forever, it takes me an hour to do it, and it took me two hours to do the painting. Like, why am I gonna, I, it makes me not wanna paint, right? So we took this video and we said, hey, you can clean your brushes a different way, this doesn't exist right now. Is this something you're interested in? And I got so many Facebook notifications of people just saying, where do I get it? I want really? it now, right? And so what that does for us is it helps us understand the customer to product fit, right? Like I want to make sure the market is actually there before I go and make something because it takes real engineering effort to actually make a product. So right now what we're doing is we're actually sending out ads to find out how much it costs us to find out, to, to get somebody to give me their email, right? And that is a way that we rank our products to find out which ones are the ones people actually want versus the ones that eh, maybe there's just no fit for it. So right now what his laptop's on is actually on one of our most successful products, the indoor smoker. So you know, we keep hearing about the indoor smoker. Oh, the smoker's great, man. I mean, we had wings with it yesterday. It's fantastic. Really? really? So uh, you can smoke inside your house. It doesn't actually smoke out your house or anything like that. It cleans up all the smoke. Make sure there's no carbon monoxide coming out of the backside of it. And uh, you can make ribs just like you would make it in a Traeger or something like that for half the size. You can do it in an apartment. You don't have to have a backyard. You don't have to have um, all this space that a Traeger takes up or um, some other like DIY smokers would need. So it's a great product. I mean, you've got an automatic French press machine in front of you, cold brew machine. Uh, this is a failed product, actually. It's a, it's a, um, a water boiler like speed upper. I don't know. <laughs> okay, if you're wondering what this water boiler yeah, speed upper sounds like, about. This looks like a hat from a science fiction movie. <laughs> I was gonna say a with bomb. Wires, yeah, maybe a bomb. It's got <laughs> wires all over it. I guess it's got a lot of um, a lot of heat. Um, heating elements. Yeah, heating, heating elements yeah. that go down into the. So I guess the water. The so you put it in like your, you put it in your pot where you're like making spaghetti or something like that. You put it in your pot and it's gonna take you like 15 minutes to boil water, right? You drop this thing in there and it's gonna boil real fast. Wow. Why is this a failed product? Yeah, it looks like a success. Um, well. 
we couldn't really figure out how to keep it from lighting your house on fire. Uh, but honestly, this is not hooked up right now. I think what we did is we, we we sent that one out to the community too, and we found out from the community that they don't mind waiting that extra seven to ten minutes. <laughs> All right, well, that's right. how we innovate. So this demonstrates the three principles here. The ID8, we had right. this idea, right? We're going to fast boil water. Then we co-create with the community and get the feedback, right? Yep. And we decided not to make it. <laughs> and <then> we didn't <laughs> go to stage three, yeah. right? <laughs> Correct. You got it. Well, what a perfect story about the whole first build cycle of creation and making. Uh, I just want to remind listeners, you're tuned in a special live broadcast. If you were hoping to hear Overtones live right now, you're going to have to wait for a, a later broadcast of that program. We're bringing you this special live interviews from the Louisville Maker Fair, now through 6 p.m., right here in the Student Activity Center at UofL. Scattered all about the clock tower, there are indoor and outdoor booths. My name is Justin Mogg. I'm here with Brian Barnes, co-creating Media That Matters. Absolutely we are. Come on down and join us. It's for everyone. And thank you so much for telling us all about it. You got it. No problem, guys. <laughs> all right. Let's rove and uh, meet some of these other makers. I'm going to go over here because I see one of my favorite things in the world. Brian, can you see what I see? A bicycle! <laughs> These are nice looking bicycles. This one over here is absolutely huge with the tires. So have you ever ridden one of these bicycles with the super wide tires? I think of them as snow bicycles, but people use them for off-roading too. Really? No, I never I never have ridden one like that. I haven't either. They sound like tanks going down the road. I'm a little <laughs> I'm a little intimidated by that. Yeah, I think the bicycle's <laughs> supposed to be stealthy, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I, I feel like I'm making too much noise. Um, we are at the Capital Bicycle Company's booth. Uh, uh, handmade bikes right here in Kentucky. I bicycle, Justin? I do. I have a tandem recumbent bicycle that is custom made by Long Bikes in Colorado. So are custom bikes better in your view? Is there a real advantage? Well, I am a big advocate of just regular bikes for everyday riding. But sure, if you have something special you want, some high performance or some special thing like a tandem recumbent, then, yeah, then finding a, a custom maker makes some sense. But I would love to talk to them and find out more about uh, what, what the reason for a custom bike is. Uh, I agree. I agree. I think that'll be interesting. Do you have a minute to talk to us live on air? What's your name? Peter. Hi, Peter, and you're from Capital Bicycles? I'm from Capital Bicycles, yeah, that's right. And handmade bikes in Kentucky? I didn't know about that. Yep, yeah, we're based in London, um, Kentucky, yeah. We've been there for five years. Really? And, uh, yeah, that's where we plow our trade. Wow. So why handmade bikes? Why would I want a special custom bicycle? What's the advantage? Well, the advantage is fit and comfort. Those are the two things that we dial around. You know, we like to make a bike that fits you. Um, we like to make a bike that's comfortable to try and address any pain or sort of uh, um, needs that you have that maybe the shortcomings on your existing bikes. And of course, we want to make it look good as well. So paint is one of my specialities. I like to make bikes that work and bikes that look good. So if I want a bike that fits me, do I have to go to London or do I send my measurements or how does this work? On my website, you can download the page or you can have a look at, uh, there is a page you can go into that tells you how to take the measurements. You can then submit them. And uh, what we do is we then take those measurements, we then compare it to the bike you're riding, and we then, as I said before, try and address any fit or comfort uh, sort of situations or problems that you may have. Yeah, I was wondering, like, Brian has some serious knee issues, right, that keeps him from riding? Well, I don't know if it's really the knee issues, but anyway, I do have those. 
I do have some pain. There's no question. Would a, would a custom bike help with knee pain, maybe? Or it may. It depends on have you been fitted on a bike before. Oh, I mean, only just at the store to buy the bikes that are in the store. So, so often knee issues, are just a positioning system. If you, I can just say, if you drop your saddle just by half an inch or a quarter of an inch, and just maybe drop it little bit by little bit, that just might solve your issues. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, certainly a custom bike is. If you have existing problems, it's something we would have a look at. We'd look at the bike that you're riding. I would then look at the measurements, do a comparison, and maybe that would step, you know, sort of lead us in the right direction. And what kind of materials do you make these custom bicycles out of? Um, I work in aluminum, steel, stainless steel, and titanium. So there's a choice of four materials. And has the supply chain issue been a problem for you? A major headache. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real problem, yeah. We've had a few issues with the tubes, but finishing components is where the real problem lies. Interesting. But, you know, we work around it as best we can. You know, always look on the right side of life. <laughs> Well, and this whole fair is about creative problem solving, right? <laughs> no doubt about that. Absolutely right. So I'm sure you want to meet your customers' needs however you can, and sometimes that means going to plan B, C, or D. I'm sure. At or E, or F, just depends, you know. Uh, but yeah, we'll certainly go the, the, the proverbial country mile. So you've got several different types of bicycles here. Do you want to describe what people can see if they come out to the Louisville Maker Fair today? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, I've got a frame in my frame jig just to give you a visualization of the manufacturing process that we go through. Yeah. Um, this is really a, just a comfort bike, I would call it. It's a comfort road bike with a flat bar setup. We have a high-end racing bike with electronic shifting, a lot of carbon fiber on it. And then we have a fat bike, which you would use uh, ideally for sort of cross-country mountain biking. Yeah. Have any of your bikes won a race? Yes. <laughs> Glad you asked. <laughs> Last year, um, the race across America, which they race coast to coast. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a customer in Cleveland, Ohio, Giovanni Prosperi, a fantastic rider. Um, he and his partner from Switzerland won the male pairs in their age category. The race across America, Brian. That's when you need a custom-made bike. Are you, are you thinking about doing it? I'm. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm going to think a little more, but I would definitely come uh, to Capital Bicycles if I wanted. If I wanted one. And by the way, these are absolutely beautiful. I mean, oh, you're not kidding about. Yeah. yeah. about the, uh, the the painting acumen. I mean, yes. these are wonderfully uh, visually appealing bicycles. Everybody should give them a look. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get to? I'm sure you get to choose your color, right? You do. You do. And some of them are multicolored. That's really beautiful. Um, so are you a cyclist too? Do you ride your own custom bikes? What's your favorite? I do, but I don't ride it nearly as much as I. <laughs> in fact, the fat bike over there, that's my favorite. That's and that's favorite. the bike I spend most of my time on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my first exposure to these bikes was when I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, where we had real winter, unlike here in Kentucky. Um, but people don't just use them for snow and ice, right? No, not at all. You know, to me, it's the best all-round bike because you can literally ride it anywhere. You can ride it on the beach in snow, on the blacktop, cross-country. And if you throw that into a lake, because of the size of the tires, it'll, it'll float. It'll float. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you, you, can't, you can't get rid of it and scan the insurance company my bike's gone. Because you yeah. can't scan it. So is the, is the, the one with the wide tires over here, what's it called? We, 
they're called fat bikes. Fat bikes. Yeah, for okay. obvious reasons. Yeah. Okay, and would you bike, yeah. is is that kind of a bike good for commuting, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a very stable bike, and I think you know that's the benefit of it. I say, if you've got somebody who's a little bit scared on the narrower wheels, that's the perfect perfect solution. You lose a little speed, though, maybe. Not if you're strong enough. <laughs> Aha! It's a workout machine, is what it is. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You do work a bit harder for every mile, yeah. but it's certainly to me it's just the most amazing bike to have. You know, so if I only ever had a one bike that would be my number one bike yeah. so i've noticed one type of bike is all the rage these days and i wonder if you make custom versions of it i'm talking about the e-bike i do um in fact i have the very first e-bike i'll be making later this year wow. but it's a high-end race bike um we'll be hiding the battery in the down tube it's a rear hub motor so when you look at it it'll look like a traditional bicycle wow. but it will have pedal assist electronics here wow so yeah, there's a there's an e-bike store on Bardstown Road here in Louisville, and I see that more and more of them are out on the streets these days. It seems to be lowering the bar for participation in cycling for people like Brian who maybe need a little bit of a motivation or have those knee issues. I'm more of a walker these days, but I'm I'm still I'm still willing to give it a try, especially on a beautiful bike like one of these. And maybe and maybe if you hid the the electronics in the down tube, that's uh, yeah. a nu- yeah. Can be done. Can be done. <laughs> Well, thanks for being here, Capital Bicycle Company. You'll be here through 6 p.m. here at the Louisville Maker Fair. Great to meet you. Likewise. Thank you so much, Jens. Thank you. All right. We are going to keep roving the Louisville Maker Fair. I'm Justin Mogg with Brian Barnes doing some critical thinking about creativity today, I guess. Yeah, we're doing our best. This is a really good place for that. If you need uh, some good ideas, some new ideas, if you're getting stuck on something, come out here because... One of the nice things about creative processes is that they really seem to be enhanced when we get around new ideas and new new machines. I mean, there's so much here that I've never seen before, and I think that my creativity is just going to be off the chart later. <laughs> all the new all the new information coming into my thinking. Come out and join us here. And Forward Radio is here with a booth in the second floor of the Student Activity Center, uh, up in the ballroom, and you can come visit us and learn how to make media that matters. Uh, we are passing by a booth about mem- family memories uh, it's you know that kind of thing we can make and now the 3d printers right uh there are three 3d printers going in front of us here these have you ever done any of this 3d printing stuff i've done a little bit of it they were way bigger when i was doing it it took about um yeah it was maybe uh, five or six times the size of these they definitely were their own uh table sitting on the floor with the box on top a lot of them Big electronics associated with it. Took a lot of power. Pretty slow. Some of the stuff we'd make would take days. Oh, really? So this technology is evolving and moving in new directions like food, <laughs> as we mentioned, right? I wouldn't want to want to have eaten any of the stuff that I made in the early days. <laughs> Maybe we could come around the backside here and talk to some of these makers uh, about their 3D printers. They're actually going right now can we talk to you about these 3d printers yeah okay (laughs) we are live on the air here at the louisville maker fair uh and there are a lot of kids here kids love this event oh definitely there's a lot to see there's a lot to put your hands on if you want to come out and actually touch some stuff which we can't do a lot of these days maker fair is for you (laughs) it's for everyone it's free it's open to the public uh, so there are small 3D printers, and that's what the kids are really excited about. They're intimidated by the big ones. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> the small ones, you know, you can make little things that you can handle, you know, easily, and yeah. it doesn't take a lot of big pieces as inputs, and I'm sure they're fast, too. Quick and easy, I see like a dreidel kind of thing here, uh, but it's not... It's not a dreidel. I don't know what it is. Probably it's a die. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sure. A multi it's for your, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> well, it might be for that, but it might also be to make the connector shapes that you want. Hi, we're live on the radio. Uh, I'm Justin Mog. What's your name? I'm Eddie. Yeah. Eddie, who do you represent? Uh, so I work for Voron Design, or I don't work for them. It's a volunteer organization. <laughs> uh, we're across the entire world, actually. Um, we have a open source project where we design 3D printers. We uh, release all the files for the free to the public, oh. so you can be, buy all the parts, get all the manuals. Um, we have support systems on getting you set up and running. Wow! Um, so yeah, so we're just trying to make the best 3D printer that you can buy and build yourself. Buy and build yourself. Yeah. But so not only are you building things in the printer, but you're building the printer. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so we want a really high quality printer that can print like production worthy, you know, parts out of ABS, which is a typically a more difficult uh, filament to use, different, difficult plastic. So, What does that stand for? Um, that is a great question. I, it's a weird combination <laughs> of material science terms that I don't remember off the top of my head. All right, I stumped you on that one, but there's yeah. huge walls of it. Yeah, we have people yeah. in Europe, in the U.S., all across Asia, etc., you know, almost every continent. I don't think we have Antarctica yet. But. <laughs> on the way soon, okay. no doubt. Yeah. Sure. So this, this filament... This is what you're using in order to actually uh, create the, the product? Exactly, yeah. So the filament is like a long string, and that string gets pushed into a extruder, which takes that solid plastic filament and melts it. And then the 3D printer knows exactly how much plastic to put in different areas in order to make whatever part you want. So if you want to make a little cube, if you want to make a fidget spinner, if you want to make a toy, like there's a dragon over here that's really cool that has a bunch of functional joints. That you can Saw make. that, yeah. yeah. So it just knows exactly how to do it, and it just after a few hours, it, your part comes off. So okay, and so and so it still takes a couple hours though. It's a yeah, slow yeah. process. It does take time. It really depends on your printer and how fast you're you're pushing it. Some printers go really fast, and other pr printers don't. But. So if I was at home and I was thinking about building a 3D printer, other than the things you've already mentioned, why would I build myself a 3D printer? Why not? Uh, anything around the house that you're like, man, I wish I could have this little hook, or I wish I could uh, arrange my like my wife, all of her makeup stuff. I made a custom holder that could hold all the stuff she uses on a daily basis, so she can always keep it organized. Any little tool or knickknack or thing like that. If a bracket on a your dresser breaks, you can print a new one. Um, it's just really flexible. And the thing I'm most excited about is getting kids excited about this capability. Because once you start thinking in the language of, I can make anything, then you start approaching problems and being like, oh, I can just print that. Let me design it in a software package and then have it you know, a few days later or a few hours later, depending on how big it is. Oh, that's really cool. And so it's really promoting uh, people taking responsibility for a little bit more of their consumption and that kind of thing? Yeah, and also just, again, once you have the tool set to start being creative, instead of you know spending thousands of dollars for someone else to make it, right. you can make it for 50 cents at home with the plastic. Um, and then if you can do a lot more iterations and you know, just experiment with things without breaking the bank, essentially. So. Okay, right on. And so this, uh, this filament, is it expensive uh, to get? Um, so one of these rolls is about... 10 to $20 for oh, most of the most common uh, parts. 
And how much stuff can you make out of a roll? I just have no idea. Yeah, so like um, like the fidget spinner, which is probably some kids taking it off. But like a small part, uh, like a few inches in diameter, might be like 50 cents worth of filament. So oh, wow. it's, okay. it's fairly cost effective. And then what do you do? I mean, afterward, is there any way to turn this stuff back into filament or something? Or is that just... So some people are really passionate about taking use prints and grinding them down and then being able to re-extrude uh, plastic. So um, that is a little bit more complicated because there's a lot more things that are involved with reusing it. Um, but again, that's something that's really exciting to be able to keep reusing and you know, not having a lot of plastic waste. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, so we're here with Voron Design and again, your name was? Eddie, yep. Eddie is here representing Voron Design. This is where we can 3D print our own uh, parts to make our own 3D printer and then also make more things with the printer. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Where would I go online maybe to learn yeah, more so about Voron Design? Yeah, so we have a website, vorondesign.com, where it has a lot of links to the different printers we have as well as all the files that you need to, to print and manufacture and, and build your own stuff. So all the documentation, manuals, all the parts you need. About how much does it cost for me to build one of these tabletop printers here? Yeah, so again, we're designing a little bit more premium 3D printers, um, but the small ones here are about 500 to 650 for a kit. Oh, wow, that's less than I would expect. And then yeah. the bigger ones over there are around $1,400 for a kit. Wow. wow. And, is, and does the size dictate, like, the size of the thing you can make? Is that exactly. why you'd have to? Yeah. So the smaller ones, um, I'm trying to think, in, like, are about 4 inches cubed you can print. Okay. And we go all the way up to 14 inches cubed. So very large, you know, if you want to make a helmet for like a cosplay show or something like that you could print the whole thing in one go with one of the bigger printers which is something that some people like to do so oh it's super amazing what an idea can i ask a little bit about how you would design an item that you wanted to be 3d 3d printed like i i barely know how to use photoshop uh how <laughs> that's 2d right like how would i go to the next level exactly so there's a program called cad computer-aided design um, there's a variety of different tools. Something called Tinkercad is a little bit more user-friendly. Uh, but then there's something called Fusion 360, which is an, a, a free uh, thing you can download off the internet. And then you basically say, I want to make a square, I want to make it a, a cube, that type of stuff. And you can add on different shapes. So it, it takes some getting used to, sure. but it's really exciting once you get, gain that skill set. Can you take pictures of things and have it software translate that into a 3D model? Yes. So In some theory. of the newer iPhones have a LiDAR scanner that you can create a STL, which is the file type that would get sliced into a 3D printer model. Wow. Um, however, there's a lot of cleanup that would need to be done with those. Okay. So there are certain levels of things. Like uh, you can take a picture of something and then bring it into CAD and then like trace around the edges and then uh, create yeah. a shape off of that. That's like the the most user-friendly way of doing it. Right, right. Yep. There was a, a group of people in uh, just a few hours away, uh, high school students who were taking architectural buildings, in the, like historic buildings, and then taking pictures of them, converting it to CAD, Whoa. and then having CAD models to preserve that you know, historical building. If it gets damaged in the future, we have the model to you know say what it represented in the past. So that's oh, cool. one example of, of converting that and historing, uh, preserving stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And I think our Louisville Public Library might have a 3D printer. Is that a thing? Yeah, I think a lot of 3D uh, printers or libraries have libraries, 3D printers. Yeah. yeah, it's something, again, it's it takes some getting used to. There's different levels of how easy it is to just press print. 
Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of... Uh, also, First Build here in Louisville has a bunch of 3D printers as well. So again, find a makerspace close by and they'll be able to help you get started. So. Yeah, we just talked to First Build. I want to let you talk to your many customers here. That's Vias and Victor, O-R-O-N design.com. Yes, that is correct. Thanks, Thanks for talking to us today. Have a good one. All right, we are live at the Louisville Maker Fair here at the University of Louisville campus, all around the clock tower, indoor and outdoor. We are talking to our indoor booths today in the big uh, ballroom here at UofL. Uh, and we are here as Ford Radio representing Making Media That Matters. Uh, my name is Justin Mogg, and Brian Barnes is with me here for this live broadcast. Uh, we won't be on there all the way through 6 o'clock, but the event goes until then. Uh, so come on down. Uh, this is a really cool event that hasn't happened in three years, Brian. Yeah, and it's something that's really needed because we need a lot of creativity in order to drive the society forward to help us think about how to solve all these problems. This whole radio station is all about thinking about how to solve problems that are here, that are coming, how to th think outside the box, how to change the paradigm, how to address various inequalities, which involves culture change. This is a place for all of those ideas coming together. And what I'm seeing so often, I thought I was going to come here and see a bunch of crap for sale, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm bummed out. I bet it's going to be a bunch of crap no, for sale. No, it's not a flea market. It's not a bunch of crap for sale. It's a bunch of ideas for free. And people should come check it out. It's a great space and people are really willing to share and are trying to turn you on to doing what they're doing. It's, it's awesome. Come on down and join us. We mentioned libraries, and, of course, the Louisville Free Public Library is here as well. They have a Maker Pavilion 101 station, and the kids are loving this one because I see all kinds of fun things. We're live on the radio. Can we ask you about the Louisville Free Public Library's Maker Station? Yes, so I'm Liz with the Louisville Free Public Library. We've got two Makerspace locations in Louisville. One is at the Northeast Regional Library in Linden. The other is at the South. Central Regional Library in Okalona. Nice. Is this where the 3D printers are? We were talking about 3D printers. <laughs> yes, we have 3D printers at both locations. Wow. Um, we've got sewing machines, uh, laser cutters, vinyl cutters, uh, button makers, which is what a lot of people are making yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> Do people have to reserve time or do they just show up? We have um, information on our website at lfpl.org slash makerspace. Um, it's by appointment or there are drop-in hours available. And are there staff available to help me with these things or do I do it all on my own? We definitely do an intro 101 training every time people stop by for the first time. And then we put their name on file so they don't have to do that again the next time they come. And then we are there, staff are there to help out. That is so cool. And we're a radio station, but we also know that you have podcast booths at the... Free Public Library, right? Yes. So the Northeast Regional location has an audio-visual studio. They have a recording booth. They have a green screen. They've got camera equipment. Oh, green screen. And we just want people in Louisville to have access to this stuff so you can get it at your library. So describe if people come out to the Louisville Maker Fair today what they can do at your booth. If you come to the Maker Fair today, we've got our Cameo cutting machine where you can see how we cut bookmarks. You can color your own bookmark. And then we also have a button maker. It is low tech, but a lot of fun to make a button. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for being here. Uh, great talking to you, Liz. Yeah, thanks for talking to us. All right. Come on out to the Louisville Maker Fair and the Louisville Free Public Library. Hey, and for those of you who are, are thinking, I'm not going down to UofL because the parking is crap. 
how <laughs> difficult it is to get around. It's not true today. It's not true. You can park at the Floyd Street Garage for free. There's a person there waving you in, and you can just go and park. It's all, it's the normal student garage right across from the McDonald's. Please come down and join us. Don't let parking be an impediment. No, and what a beautiful day to ride your bicycle down to U of L. I did that today. Absolutely. I got parking right at the door, <laughs> and nobody else in the bike racks. So I'd love to see some of your custom bicycles uh, riding down here today. Uh, of course, we're a bicycle-friendly university, and we're also located on several TARC lines. If you want to hop on the bus, we are right off of Route 28 uh, or Route 4 or Route 2. So come on by and see us, Route 29, down Eastern Parkway. Uh, we'll be here through 6 p.m. today. It's free and open to the public. And uh, we are live broadcasting here on Forward Radio from the Louisville Maker Fair. We're at a collage table. It's called Making Collage Happen. When I first saw that sign, I thought it said Making College Happen. I thought I thought we definitely <laughs> a surprise twist on the creativity. How would I do it outside of the normal way? Well, we have ideas. But this is really cool. I have to say, I... I don't think much about collage, but when I look at the examples of the art they have here uh, on the on the screen behind the table, that's fantastic stuff. I mean, what a bunch of skill! Yeah, I like that one with the chairs. That is really pretty. Um, so, if you come to the Louisville Maker Fair, you can make your own collage today. Uh, there are cool little materials here. I see different colored, like almost origami paper kind of things. Uh, but there's also magazines. That's how I have always thought about collages, cutting stuff out of magazines. But yeah, of course, yeah, for ransom notes. <laughs> that is a form of collage that Brian has a lot of experience with. <laughs> the ransom note. We can't always help where we've been. <laughs> so come on out and smell the glue sticks and make your own <laughs> ransom note. Um, one you can use this paper so that's helpful <laughs> okay we've been talking about robots and we haven't had a chance to interview anybody are you willing to talk to us on the radio or do you have other people who want it yeah awesome hey we're live on the radio tell us about this booth here oh hi yeah um so we're redbird robotics like um we're a university uh competition team and uh we actually um have our drone here uh that we've been using uh for our previous competitions yeah can it go indoors? <laughs> um, so we technically can fly it indoors, but definitely wouldn't fly it right now. Yeah. Actually, I know that the F the FAA is involved in regulating drones, right? And here at our UofL campus, we're in a flight path, so there are some restrictions to using these things, right? There are, yeah. Um, so uh, to legally fly a drone, you need to take the Part 107 test, and all that's covered. Um, I think we're in a what is it, a Part C or uh, Class C uh, flight zone. And so, um, right now where we're at, we can actually technical fly it. I think you have to contact uh, air control. Right. Um, yeah. And you let them know that you're doing it, and then you get permission. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. how, how high can this thing go? Um, <laughs> so, uh, regulation-wise, I think it can, it can go as high as 500 feet. Okay. Um, but we could definitely fly it, like, way higher if it weren't wow. for that. Yeah. And it's, is it Bluetooth, or, like, how does it connect to the controller? Yeah, so um, it's all radio controlled. Like uh, here, I have a Trenis controller. Um, basically, connects to the Frisky uh, receiver, and um, yeah, it's all basically radio controlled. It's radio, Brian. That's what it's all about here at Forward Radio, right? <laughs> that's right. We appreciate you sharing this radio controlled drone with us. So that thing looks pretty heavy. Is it heavy? Oh yeah. Uh, it's fairly heavy. Um, it's about probably 10, 15 pounds. I think. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, is it is it fragile? Like, do you guys have to be careful with it, or can you move it around without a lot of care? Uh, yeah, you can pretty much move around without care. Like, the only thing fragile like on this thing would be the uh, propellers, okay. and they're made of carbon fiber, and they they can take a, a beating probably. Wow. So, yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Thank you for talking with us. Do you are you part of this as well? Okay. Could, you, could you tell us a little bit about why you like this stuff? Oh yeah, so my name is Felicity. I like to do much of the stuff mostly to get the electric electronics and uh, CS experience. I'm a mechanical engineer, so. Okay, so you're not as interested in flying them as you are in making them? <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but yeah, just having that extra hands-on experience with uh, circuitry and programming is, is kind of what I'm in here for. Oh, that's cool. Is this part of your uh, degree program here? Uh, no, not at all. It's just extra stuff that you can do, extracurricular stuff nice. if you want the hands-on experience. So yeah, I definitely took, a, took that opportunity. Oh, that's excellent. And so, and so, are you? Is this part of your degree program? Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm also doing this like just as a extra activity. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And see, so you have you have an esports shirt on. Is this related to esports <laughs> in any way? No, I'm just uh, repping the uh, UL esports. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. If other people wanted to get involved in this, I mean, I guess if it's not part of your degree program, anybody could get involved. Is that right? Yeah, any students can get involved. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to be part of the uh, speech school engineering either to get involved. Like, if if you wanted to join, you, could, you totally could. Like, mm, uh, you don't really need any experience to get started. What's the club called? Or uh, we're Redbird Robotics. Redbird Robotics. All right, everybody, look for it. Are you guys, uh, I guess, are you an RSO then? Okay. All right. Yeah. Look forward. And any student? Is it anybody at the university or just students? Yeah. Pretty much uh, any uh, any student at the university. Um, yeah, they can join. Yeah. Okay. Great. Very yeah. cool. Very nice talking to you. Um, Glad you all think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, check them out. Redbird Robotics here in the ballroom at the Student Activity Center. And oh my God, Brian. We are near a late entry to the Louisville yes. Maker Fair. I'm really excited to see this. What do we have? <laughs> we have. A locally made do-it-yourself solar power generator, and we have Austin Will here, who is a is our solar power intern at U of L. Intern, keyword, right? So good to finally meet you, Austin. Hey, good to see you, Justin. How are we doing, Brian? We're doing great. How are you guys doing over here? Austin? Not bad. Really good, actually. I'm excited to see how many people are coming through and. Uh, to learn how easy it is to hook up solar yourself. Has it been easy? Uh, okay. Mildly easy. How about that? Yeah. Right. In, in the middle. Okay. Um, but yeah, very awesome to show the, uh, all the people coming through. Um, people from, you know, wanting to switch their bikes over to solar. Uh, another guy wants to convert his barn over. Uh, the guy that just left, uh, his tool shed in the back, wants to power his uh, electric lawnmower and stuff like that. Right. Be able to have a charging station that way. All right, so, so let me ask you a question about this. How is this solar, and we want to get to Aaron Kaczynski, who's the developer of this technology, who's standing here next to us. But just Austin, can you tell us really quick, how is this different from me going and buying solar panels and putting them on the roof of my house? I guess a conventional kind of thing. What's different about this? Uh, this is kind of more, um, I guess, if you want to advance it on your own, uh, instead of just buying something, you know, cookie cutter, it's not going to be able to do everything that you want. It'll be able to do, you know, a couple things. Uh, with this system uh, and the Electrodocus, our battery management system, 
You can do something small for like a patio or if you want to hook up larger appliances in your house like water heaters, fridges, and things like that. So the versatility of our uh, technology and equipment that we're working with is I think vast, vastly uh, above the rest. Okay, and this is something people can learn on their own as, a, as opposed to when I go and buy it from the solar place, they don't really teach me how to do a lot of you know solar. Exactly. Uh, so my background is a, a sustainability major, uh, no mechanical, no electrical. Uh, we've got some textbooks and we've got some pamphlets that run with our battery management system. Read through it a couple of times and it starts to stick. Uh, you just have to be willing to commit the time to it. Okay. okay, well thank you for committing that time. Let me talk to Aaron real quick over here. Aaron, you're the developer of this technology. Can you tell us a little bit about what people should expect if they're coming out to the Maker Faire today to uh, to see do-it-yourself solar? Uh, just a, a pack that we've gotten running over the over the past couple of years, and a pack in progress. Uh, we have all the interfaces for rapid prototyping other developable products past our own that we've developed here today. As uh, Austin had just said, what's different about ours is when you buy something from the, the supply chain, you don't get all the interfaceable or the hookups. It's like buying your iPhone. It doesn't have a Cat5 cable in the end of it or uh, a way to hook up solar to your iPhone. You can't even open it up. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't even open up and get the battery and I saw a problem with that. That's a lot of planned obsolescence. It's admitting the technician. Well, I want to admit the technician in the same way, but not, not by because I'm going to throw this away. It's attached and I don't know how. I'm going to give you the option, but eliminate the amount of times you're going to need to get in there. And, and, and we have it now to where we've eliminated three parts from solar that would need battery cables. And soon we're going to design our case out of polycarbonate or acrylic and cut it on CNC cut Lexan, so it's like how the old school people used to do stereos. And we're gonna sub this computer screen in the face of it and emit the Electrodocus screen and run it off of that. Oh, that's interesting. So that's, that'll be a real upgrade. Uh, a lot of people listening have no idea what this word even is yes. that you and Austin used, Electrodocus. Can you tell us what the Electrodocus is? It is a Raspberry Pi computer purpose It's built. a Pi? <laughs> No, it's it's a computer. It's a it's a cell phone motherboard uh, built in Cambridge, England. They uh, it's it's a purpose built for being a computer with the interfaces and USB and Cat fives. So like all the connections you have on your computer on a cell phone, inexpensive cell phone motherboard. Well, it's built like a child, so it's real thin. This is purpose built for a battery management system on thick circuit boards. But it is the Raspberry Pi circuit by design, so you can operate Linux operating systems and not Windows, not Mac. This one's open source, so you can write any coding or use coding to slide between parentheses in the coding to get it to execute things people have already done, even if you don't know how to code. That's what I'm going to be able to do. I'm mechanical, I'm electrical. Now I'm electrical. I taught myself how to do electrical doing this. But all that coding, I have to learn, and Austin learns it too. So. Okay, and, and is that something that's something you're looking for is people to collaborate with? Is, is coding part of that? Yes, uh, uh, my, my good friend Myron Koch just started helping out, and he's proficient at this. But we need people so he can spend as little time as possible and he can instruct them how to do it and learn. And we need an educate a person that wants to learn eagerly from Myron. And we had Austin's eagerly learning the mechanical and the electrical and components and the build for me. 
to where, I mean, if anything happens to me, the program has continuity, and that's that's what we were after with this. We wanted a, a program that continually works for people when people work for it. Okay. So that they want to participate in it to get the solar at a cheaper cost for them to build it themselves and know that they're never going to have to call a technician. Okay. That's a big deal. You, you call the power company when your power line goes out. Right. 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 Definitely. All this, it's like, well, I, I, do I want to pay somebody a thousand dollars to fix my stuff the way I do an appliance, or do I want a little computer to tell me exactly what's wrong with it and plug and play that I know because I put it together? Yeah. Right on. And so this is something that the idea is that people can do this on their own. If people come down to the Maker Fair today, they can meet you. They can meet Austin and talk about how to collaborate for next steps on this. Right. Yes, our next step is paint by color and number for electronics. It's green to green step one to step one you hook it up and put the bolt on and the bolts are the same so we're going to try and get everything the same same components same parts and eliminate a lot of parts to where I, when i hand this to brian who's never done this that he can look at it without instructions and put it together intuitively yeah that's going to be exciting i'm looking forward to that technology all right well come down to the maker fair and see aaron kashinsky come and see austin come and see this do-it-yourself solar uh and uh gonna be here till five o'clock six o'clock I'll be here until people go away. Six o'clock. Yeah, yes, yes. We're here live at the Louisville Maker Fair. Thanks so yeah, much, Aaron. Great seeing me. you again. I'm glad they were able to sneak into the Louisville Maker Fair at the last minute. Uh, there's so many makers here of all different kinds. Uh, it is not just, you know, robots and rocketry like you might expect. Uh, as we've shown you, it's things like making collages or, my God, watch and clocks. I mean, talk about ancient technologies, right? I guess there are a couple of things to buy. I didn't have any idea. <laughs> oh, no, these aren't for sale. Oh, this guy's got analog clocks. This is so cool to see the inner workings of some of these very old clocks from the 1800s, even. Uh, this is the National Association of Watch and Clock Collectors. They've got a bluegrass chapter. Did you know that about the I, National Association? I didn't even know there was a National Association, but I am glad to, to know that someone's interested in preserving these fine mechanical systems. I mean, these are so interesting to me when I was young. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I used to, t I used to destroy these things all the time, taking them apart, trying to figure them out. Occasionally, I'd get one back together okay, but they were never quite right. I'm, I'm a menace to these things, but I do find them very interesting. <laughs> Well, once you lose one of these parts on the floor, oh, yeah, don't, yeah, don't even start. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Who knows how many very expensive pieces of equipment were doomed over that one part Brian lost. Look at this one in the front. It's made out of paper mache, the, the, the cabinet for the clock, that is so uh, as part of the war effort. Some of these date back to the 20s, uh, 1800s. Uh, what a cool little display of watches and clocks from history. Uh, and you can come and see them working. This, this is precision stuff. You know, they say they don't make things like they used to. That's certainly true with watches and clocks, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people would say that there's, you know, uh, those are positive innovations. But when you look at this kind of stuff, the artistry and right. um, craftsmanship. Yeah, well, and also just the precision to be able to, you know, to keep the time with these machines and know how to keep up with uh, maintaining them i just think it's it, it's important that we that we keep this stuff going there's a couple pendulums swinging at this booth y you want to tell us about this cl clock yeah this is a wooden movement clock oh my gosh about 1820 made up in 1820 Connecticut. oh yeah it's 200 years old wow still functioning a little bit dirty but the other, <laughs> this, this is the same movement taken apart these are all the different pieces that go into a clock movement 
but they they made these. Eli Terry started the the, the wooden movement by by mass production. He was actually the first person to did mass production in the world. Wow. He had a contract in 1807 to produce 4,000 of these in three years. Huh. What they called the Porter contract, and he completed the, the contract. Then he sold the company to Seth Thomas and Silas Hoadley. These are Hoadley movements. They, Eli, Eli Terry saw the writing on the wall and went and started making pillar and scroll clocks, which were shelf clocks. Okay. And Eli Terry, or, or Seth Thomas and Silas Hoadley continued to make the tall case clocks for another 10 or 15 years. And then they split up. Seth Thomas, you, you probably heard of the Seth Thomas Clock Company. Sure. He, you know, that's still it's in existence in some semblance, but they were actually an American company up until the 1950s. Silas Hoadley retired in about oh, 1840 as a very rich man, but they made he made shelf clocks too, but, but mostly wooden movements because they could make these much more inexpensive than a brass movement. Brass at that time was one expensive and two very difficult to get because there were no brass foundries in this country. Yeah. By 1840 they were had brass foundries so they started making this type of movement ah. which basically put the wood movements out of out of business because they could make these as cheap as these plus you didn't have the maintenance problems with these. They would you know the, the Americans actually took over the, the world clock market but they couldn't send these over because you send these on ships for three months and they'd warp so badly because oh, no. of the salt air. It wouldn't work. But once they started the brass, making the brass movements, so okay. you'll see a lot of American clocks many times with English cases coming back to the U.S. You know, that have been imported over back 1850, 1860, 1870. Very wow. They took over the market. We were, we were kind of like the Chinese. We were the low-cost producer. Yeah. You know, back in those days, back in the mid-1800s. Same way with the watch watch business. And were these powered by springs, even the no. wooden? How do, how do they? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, spring technology was so bad that you, the, the French were making springs. There's a few spring clocks from those days, but they were very expensive. So they were literally doing weights. That's why they call them grandfather clocks. They, their proper name is Talkies Clock. They had a longer weight drop, so oh. they could run a week with the weights. These were weight a driven. Week. You know, wow. this, this is weight driven. See, this is from about 1840. You know, when they developed it, then they could put a spring in the same spot, and and you could you could make a clock. This this type of clock would be about 26 inches tall. That would run 30 hours or run one day. Okay. And but it was 26 inches to it, a little over two feet tall. You know, they could put this this type of movement, or once they put springs in these, they could put a clock that big and it would run for a week. Wow. And yeah. so and so the size of the clock is dependent on the weights that are in when it. When they were using How long weights, you want to run it? it was dependent on the weight. Yeah. So okay. the, about the shortest you'd see would be about the two feet tall. Okay. And those would only usually run one day. Okay. They actually made these in, in an eight-day move, but these would run one day, you know, the, the wooden ones. But they did make some eight days with heavier weights that were compounded, but you don't see many of them around because the extra weight tore them up. Sure, yeah. of course. Yeah. It's, so what blows my mind about this clock from 1820, thinking back to then, 1820, this is before railroad time even existed, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. everyone's perception of what noon was was totally different but you wanted to keep time in your own locale uh and make sure it's your your noon is the same noon every day right <laughs> well th that's that's why a lot of the cities had like a tower clock yes, where people could the clock set their tower. clocks in fact there's a joke going around that there was a jeweler in this one town 
that always set his clocks by the, the clock tower because the clock tower would strike, you know, so many yeah. he'd set his clocks. Well, at one point after years of doing this, he talked to the guy that was running the clock tower, and the <laughs> clock, clock tower said, well, I'm setting my clock by yours. <laughs> <laughs> so neither one of them had any what time it was. <laughs> and yet we would go to such lengths to create a device to keep time, even though it was all relative. That's what blows my mind. <laughs> now, now this is... This is like a railroad grade watch. Yes. But they actually, you know, I think it was in the 1890s or so. Don't go quote me on that. But they they had a few accidents where people's watches were off and there were collisions trains among trains. Wow. Yeah. Well, wow. a guy named Ball up in Cleveland developed the Ball Standard. And he, he was a real entrepreneur. He had he had a, 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 a business selling watches, but he, he created a system where... The, the people, like the engineers and the conductors stuff that were running the trains had to have their watches certified. Oh. And I think it was every three months or so, they had to send them in and make sure that they were running correctly so they would keep time. But And they had certain grades of watches, like a, like a, this is a 19 Joule. They went up to 21, 23, had to be adjusted positions and all, and, and, and uh, temperature had to be lever set. You can't on this type of watch. You can't pull the stem out right. and set it. You had to. There's a lever here that you have to unscrew the face oh, wow. to get to to set so you couldn't inadvertently you oh, know okay. un undo it or yeah, change okay. the time. Right, right. Because a lot but, of those are really but easy. But he developed a great system where you had to have them certified so everybody had was on the same time. Interesting. But but back in the old days before they actually did that. You know, I've got a friend down in, in Chattanooga that collects railroad clocks and watches, and he's got a clock that this is railroad time and this is true time or Greenwich time. Oh, and wow. there's a little, you know, different cities. Really? Have, it might be it, in Cleveland, it might be 8 o'clock, but in this town, it might be 8.03. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Because of the, you know, the, the setting of the sun. Right. And they got rid of that with the time zones. Yes. And again, zone. for the same reason with the railroads and stuff. Fascinating. So great to talk to you. Come on out and check Thank out you. the National Association of Watch and Clock Collectors booth here at the Louisville Maker Fair. If you hurt yourself on the clock, there's a first aid station right next door to <laughs> help you out. That safety first at the Maker Fair. I mean, there is flame outside. I mean, there's glass blowing. There's, and there's, there's rockets. Yeah, <laughs> there are rockets. That's right. And remember, if you come down to the Maker Fair, free parking or you could ride your bike for free. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like we said, it's not just rockets and robots. There's things like the International Honor Quilt here at the Louisville Maker Fair. You want to tell us about what is the International Honor Quilt? I've never heard of it. Well, the International Honor Quilt is a collection of over 540 panels of individually quilted works that accompany Judy Chicago's The Dinner Table. So as The Dinner Table, which is a famous feminist artwork yes. of 30 you know profiling 39 women that were kind of uh overlooked in history Those that's, that's it um so so the wow. dinner table traveled to different states and then we all wanted to participate more i mean there's so many more women that never made sure. it into the book so so a call was made out as an international quilting bee so people women in particular and quilting groups and so forth could contribute to the overall um 
mission to write women into the history books. Is it sort of like their own table then because of the shape of the panel? Is that the idea? Uh, yeah, just the idea the three-sided triangle being the dinner table, being uh, a feminist symbol, the uterus to get kind of Listen. We get a radio listeners. We can say vagina on the radio. <laughs> Good. So, yeah, women have those too. So, <laughs> For sure. so, they're, so, yeah, that's the kind of our symbol to have, a, to have this iconic little image. Um, but created in these two by two foot panels that all two by two by two that okay. fit all together. And the assemblage becomes one giant quilt for womankind. And is it dis- ultimately displayed somewhere? Well, um, it travels. We have 120 okay. pieces in New Mexico at a Judy Chicago show where it's the 50th anniversary of Woman House, which is an installation piece she did. Um, so we have 120 pieces exhibited there. 16 pieces are getting ready to go to Rhode Island. Uh, to the Newport Art Museum. They'll be exhibited there October to January, something like that. And it's on campus. It's available to be seen if you contact us. It's in our uh, archives of VRC and Let's Hall. And it's part of the university and uh, our we use it for outreach, for academic study, for empowerment. I go out into the schools and do after-school programs, in-school programs, cool. teach them about about handwork, about feminism, and about being seen and having having your identity and being proud of it. Hmm? Very cool. So I see you're working on an Elmer Lucille Allen section of the quilt. I don't know anything about Elmer Lucille. You want to tell us about her? She's she's a queen. <laughs> she's a goat. She's a, she was the first. She is, I should say. She's ninety one. She was the first uh, black chemist to be hired at Brown Foreman. Oh. So she's like big there. And then after she retired, she went to the University of Louisville to get another degree in. Uh, art. Uh, she does fibers and ceramic, and she still goes to school every Tuesday, Thursday. Like she's here. You know, now that you re- moved your notebook and I can see Elmer Lucille's face, I I do recognize her. Uh, I just didn't know the name. She's so this icon. is this is why we need these kinds of projects, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> she's an icon. And I believe she's on a mural in Smoketown. She has a whole building. A whole yeah. Building, yeah. Yeah, the mural wraps the entire yes, building. Yes. yes, it's fabulous. Go to Smoketown. You'll see her there too. Very cool. These are the kinds of things you'll learn at the Louisville Maker Fair. Who knew? Uh, check them out there in the back corner here of the Student Activity Center Ballroom, the International Honor Quilt. Uh, can people go online and learn more about it? Yes, they can. Okay. Judy Chicago, the International Honor Quilt. And if you're on campus, you can access the database. And it will be out there in the public again soon. We're doing a technology cool. kind of transfer. <laughs> so. All right. Great talking to you. Uh, check out this fun booth about the International Honor Quilt. And you can see many sections. There's Elmer Lucille is just one. Uh, wow, there's a whole quilt for the Kentucky Shakers. Very cool. Uh, so, yeah, come and check out some of the quilting here at the Louisville Maker Fair. As we rove around, we are doing a special live broadcast. Sorry to folks who were expecting to hear Overtones live this hour. 
there is another time on our broadcast schedule where you could uh, catch that program. But we are doing a special live broadcast to interrupting our normal programming here. Uh, and the University of Louisville is also represented on our own campus here. Uh, the Louisville has an automation and robotics research institute, the Lari Labs. And you can learn more at L-A-R-R-I-L-A-B-S.org. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I know that Louisville is unleashing the potential of robots and automation uh, and I see, oh my gosh, what is that high chair? Is that a robotic high chair? What is that, Brian? Uh, I think there's definitely a mechanical component to it. I'm not sure if a robot's involved. It's we, automated somehow. Yeah, we're going to have to ask questions. This child is strapping in there's, to a, oh, it's a glider. A, yeah, there's a rocking function. I guess it's, I guess the strap-in's for safety. It's got a seatbelt. Yep. <laughs> Velcro seatbelt. Well, wow, it's flocked with children. Uh, we can't even get in there. Uh, the Speed School of Engineering is here. Uh, the American Society of Civil Engineers. Uh, you know, we were talking to some U of L students earlier who are not engineering students, but into robotics. Uh, but this is a society of student engineers. Hi, what's your name? Can I talk to you guys? Hi, this is Shelby Hogan with ASCE. And I'm Jake Schneider. Uh, so you guys have been a, a, a group on campus for a while, right? What's the mission? We are really passionate um, about bringing students into an easy transition from student life to professional life, networking with the industry, as well as taking their coursework and what they've learned and kind of getting some hands-on, um, fun, exper experimental kind of um, activities with it. Like what? What have you all done? We actually host a competition for elementary through high school students. It's called the Balsa Woodbridge Competition. Uh, open to all. Uh, you feel free to reach out to Speed School Student Council for, for more information. Uh, but that's held every March, uh, first Saturday of March. Okay, so it's coming up and people can get involved. Cool. Um, so what kind of careers do you all get into as civil engineers? Well, uh, I would say a local employer is the, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Sure. They employ a lot of us for co-ops and, and beyond. Yeah. Um, we really focus in a lot of different realms um, for the civil yeah. academic world. We really go into water resources, transportation, structural engineering. We get a really broad range in our um, undergrad education as civils and really like to branch out in the different um, paths that we go to. And here at UofL, it's civil and environmental engineering, right? They're kind of co-combined so people who are studying like waterways and things like that may also end up in in engineering right this, this is correct a lot of our studies towards um, water are focused towards um, environmental protection um, yeah. management and uh, things like that yes yes this is so important to our future <laughs> we so. need more civil engineers who know what they're doing for sure I mean there's some been some horrible stories of like catastrophic failures of bridges and things like that this is this is not just representing lack of expertise but lack of investment in our public infrastructure right indeed indeed yeah um, so thank you for this important work <laughs> i don't don't want our infrastructure collapsing right brian no, absolutely not we need we need the civil engineers to uh to continue to proliferate is there any is there anything you would uh, say to young folks younger folks than you who might be coming through the university or thinking about uh, higher education is why is engineering a good choice yeah. in your view we're the ones making it happen problem solving starts on a small level and goes big bigger than you can ever imagine and it's really important to have um, well-rounded people with the skills to solve in-depth problems and communicate them to the world 
That's a fantastic answer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Would you like to? I would say don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to learn, even if that's just searching for opportunities. The Speed School of uh, Engineering, they really set you up with everything you need, whether that be civil, mechanical, computer. If you have a question, they're willing to work with you and help you find the answers. That's all. Thank you. No, it sounds fantastic. It's, it sounds like you've had a really nice education experience there at Speed. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask just one last question? I, I noticed the Super Women Engineers Network. Tell me about that. I'm so glad to see women getting into engineering, too. Tell us about that network and the research survey. Yeah, so this is actually a research program completely separate from ASEE. It's still in its early phases, um, but it's backed by the, the University of Louisville. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking for people, uh, particularly women with a background in STEM, just to hear their opportunities and hear what are the factors that are, are keeping them in STEM? What, what yes. makes it worth their while? So that's pretty much our mission. So what's the survey about? Oh, well, I mean, this is this is our first survey that we're, we're putting out there. We're asking um, students, college students, and professionals, uh, just what, what are some of the things that have driven them towards STEM, okay. whether that be a great teacher. Uh, you know, we, we really do want to see how the education system plays into that, and also, you know, what, what makes their, their workplace enjoyable, enjoyable to come to uh, every day and just keep, keep doing their best work. That's so important. Uh, this needs to be a welcoming space for all people. And, you know, I, I think some of the maybe the problems of the past is having only one perspective in engineering. Right. And it, there's a valuable perspective that certainly women, but people of different colors bring to it, too. Like This is really important to maintain a space that's safe and accessible for everybody. Right. Oh, indeed. That, that's that's our mission. So. Thank well, you. So great talking to you guys. Th thank you for being here at the Louisville Maker Fair. We're live on Forward Radio coming up to the top of the hour. Brian, you want to give one uh, encouragement why people might want to come down here? You know, this is a place where people can think about the thinking you're already doing. This is a place where you can think about new projects. You can think about old projects in a different way. There's so many people down here who are ready to talk to you and engage with you about whatever it is that you know inspires you and they want to make connections between their projects and your interests everything's very welcoming i mean it's a carpeted floor it's an air-conditioned room beautifully lit you can get a chance to see some of the renovations around brook street if it's been you know, a few years since you were down on Belknap campus, you will be absolutely blown away by the new buildings and the new construction. So please come down and give it a shot. Wonderful folks, wonderful engagement, um, and uh, a really, really interesting and inspiring meeting. Um, we've got at least 20, what do you say, Justin, 20, 25 different vendors here in this thing. Well, vendors, you know, is the wrong word because they're not selling anything. It is the right, right? thing. Yeah, it's the, uh, what, what do we booths. call it? Philanthropists. They're, they're just giving booths. it away. <laughs> they're giving away the ideas and the inspiration and the stories. I'm so excited. Welcome. Hi, what's your name? Hello, it's Janan. It's good to see you again. And what's your name? Lena. Hi, Lena. It's great to have you guys here at the Louisville Maker Fair. What are you doing at your booth? We're here talking about Salam Storytime. It's a children's podcast that reads diverse books about kids around the world for kids around the world. Yay! Wow. And, and we hope to get them on Forward oh, Radio, Sarah, too. We need them on Forward Radio. <laughs> That's awesome. we've, we've met before. We've yes. met Justin, and I don't think we may have emailed each other before. Okay. Yes, yeah, so thank you. We're really excited uh -huh. to be here at the Maker Fair. Lena, she's six. 
and she's being a little shy, but let's see. What do you <laughs> want to talk about? What have, what have people come and asked about? Uh, the <laughs> yeah, so we, we brought all of the books that have been on the podcast so far. Okay, yeah. And we actually have two books that are about, it's all about, all of our books are about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And two of them relate to being hard of hearing or ha having being deaf. Nice. And so having a podcast yeah. is difficult. So what yeah. we actually did is we got permission for any of our books that are related to you need to have the auditory component and you can't. We got permission to actually make that into a YouTube video. So we have oh, it's wow. it's inclusive. It's an inclusive podcast, but the majority of our content is on uh, Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts, just like LFPM. Did I say the right? <laughs> Louisville Forward Ra Public Radio, PR. <laughs> yes, so thank you so much. For yes, we're excited to have you come on the station eventually uh, and do this important work about diverse stories for children. Yes. Uh, we were just talking about diversity in the engineering field, but uh, diversity in what kids are exposed to when they're young and reading and falling in love with things, right? That's so important. It is really important for, for children to see themselves or hear about themselves yes. in books. Yes. And again, it sounds silly that we're talking about a podcast, but <laughs> you can still describe uh, and learn about cultures, learn about individuals, learn about the diversity. And the beautiful thing is these stories that are in front of us that we have here today are from all over the world. But the stories, essentially the core messages are the same. Yeah. The stories, no matter where they come from, children yeah. want and need belonging, inclusion, um, books can be windows or mirrors to children. A window to see an, another world they are not familiar with, like a fantasy book, maybe Harry Potter. Right. But a diverse book could be a window for someone else that is not used to seeing something different. And then a mirror, a book is a mirror when you see yourself in it. And uh, so some of these books are mirrors for certain children. And uh, there, we need more of those. So that's what we're here to do. And we're, it's a community effort, just like what you all do. We're here to actually recruit people to come to our information sessions. We hold them at Northeast Public Library oh. because we're trying to actually get on forward radio, yeah, yeah. but we need to have longer episodes. We right. need people to support us. Um, yeah helping edit these long yes it takes a lot of work to edit and so it's created by a six-year-old and a, a six-year-old a five-year-old and a three-year-old they don't do much editing so no, they're, um, they're, they're good at telling the stories but i think we um so that's why we came here and we've had a lot of people sign up with interest cool. um hopefully if anyone's interested we're, we're if you're interested check us out salam story time it's on instagram you can google it it's anywhere you listen to podcasts Salam, S-A-L-A-A-M. Thank you. Story time. And uh, <laughs> we, we really appreciate you stopping by our booth. Awesome. How many stories uh, do you have so far? So far, there are 16 stories. And uh, so that's two seasons. We're in season two. And each story is about between three and eight minutes long. Oh, so okay. these are children's picture books. Right. Which is really interesting because picture books are not really auditory. <laughs> picture but books on the radio. We, we, bring <laughs> it, we bring it to life by adding sound effects, actually. That's oh, how cool. we, we have sound effects. Lena, the six-year-old, helps pick them. <laughs> um, so if you, know, if you hear footsteps or... I was hoping you'd say she bell. makes them. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we make them. Yeah, sometimes we make the sound That's effects. Fun. If there's a child crying, maybe her younger sister will do that for us. But <laughs> we have plenty of that. But yeah, um, it's, there's a way to bring stories to life through radio, through sure. voice. And our, our dream and goal is to actually have them one day have conversations with the authors. Because a lot of these books in front of us are also self-published. 
because yes. the mainstream, it's harder to get your diverse right. book published, right. actually. So a lot of people say, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to self-publish it. And it's easier than ever to do that. And the irony is that it's easy to self-publish, but it's hard to get people to buy to yeah, and to yeah. read it. Yeah. So what Salam Storytime, a place we have also, is to help these self-published authors, give them a platform, say that, hey, we're going to do this. It's all nonprofit. This is from our heart. We enjoy the stories. They're picked because the children like them. Yeah. Um, our committee is children. Yeah. Um, and, and once the stories are approved by the children board, yeah. we, we start reading and we start getting to work thinking about what sound effects to add, who's going to be the right character for each story, who do we know, who do we need. So yeah, we need a lot of boys because I have three daughters. We need more boy <laughs> voices. Um, and, you know, again, really fun stuff. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Nice yes, to meet you. Yes, yes. Come on back to Forward Radio anytime. Uh, come on, check their, their booth if you want to get exposed to things like children's stories on diversity. This is the place. The Maker Fair's got it all. Aquaponics is in the house. I love I love how there's like cheek to jowl crazy things like Salam Storytime and Aquaponics. Uh, <laughs> you know, you never know what you're going to get. Take, take the next step. Um, we, we at UofL are kind of experimenting with aquaponics, aren't we? We are. We are. We have a tank. Uh, we have uh, all of our pumps. We have uh, fish waiting for us to do it. I just need to get the labor to set it all up. We've been we've been looking for that labor actually for about a year, but uh, but we are. We have the, we have everything we need except putting it all together. And maybe some of the people we need are right here at this booth. Who knows? So uh, maybe we could talk to some of these folks working at the aquaponics booth. Can you tell us about aquaponics? So it's a different way of farming, how we use um, the waste product of fish to fertilize plants. And it's a better way of farming for the future. And have you built one of these aquaponic systems? Yes, I have. Where is it? It's at home. At home? Oh my god, you can do this in your garage? Yeah, you can also <laughs> do it indoors. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. What kind of fish do you grow? I used a fancy goldfish for my project. Cool. And people do this also to grow fish to eat, right? Yeah. People use tilapia to grow plants, mainly. Mm -hmm. What's your name and how did you get into this? My name is Amina Al-Barqawi and I was researching and I found that um, normal growing is not very sustainable for the planet and I wanted to find a different way to grow plants. Very cool. So what is the input that goes into an aquaponic system that, to get the whole thing started? So first you want to start with a tank and you want fish to grow in it for a while and after they start producing the waste product then you can use the waste products to start fertilizing your plants. Yeah, so the waste is food for something else in this mini ecosystem that you're recreating, right? And the plants also clean the water so that it goes back to the fish and it's like a, like a system. Awesome. So you don't have your tanks here in the studio but there, there are great... Um, displays of how you can do this in your own home right yes mm -hmm. and you can make it out of waste products from the industry right like brian you've got some tanks you you got from local industry yeah yeah brown foreman has given us some tanks for example we've had some others from food service industry yeah now yeah, we use them so come on by maker fair today and you can learn a little bit about aquaponics right great talking to you thank you
This is awesome. I love the diversity of things and ideas here at the Louisville Maker Fair uh, on the UofL campus. Student Activities Center at the Clock Tower. There are both indoor and outdoor booths. We're doing a special live broadcast today here on Forward Radio. My name is Justin Mogg, and I've got Brian Barnes with me as we rove about the hall talking to the many different kinds of makers it is so fun to see the different kinds of people who are involved you know we were talking to folks who are interested in you know clocks from the 1800s uh, and now we're talking to youth about aquaponics and kids books and diversity that's the kind of stuff you get here at the Louisville Maker Fair it's so exciting to have it back after three years away this is a super fun family friendly event that is free and open to the public only today in the past it's been a multi-day event but it is only today on saturday september 10th it is now 1 10 in the afternoon and you have just under five hours to get out here and enjoy the rest of the louisville maker fair it goes until 6 p.m today here at the university of louisville and access is super easy today as brian mentioned if you want to drive there is free easy parking available and we're right on several bus lines and a bike friendly university we want you to get out however you can get out and enjoy this beautiful day uh it is a wonderful day to be out learning about how to make stuff uh the university of louisville of course does things with surgery that no one else is doing including astro surgery that is surgery in space brian uh i think if i was going to have surgery i'd i'd want to be on the earth but um, we're all in space in a way, right? We're all just hurling through the yeah, universe. Yeah, the marble, the marble is just spinning out in space. It might be nice if we had surgery in space. Maybe they could float the instruments, right. and then you could just kind of pull them out of the air, for yeah. example. Maybe, um, maybe, if, maybe there'd be some benefit to not having gravity pulling all the tissues down to the table. I don't know. Maybe we should ask somebody who knows something about this. Surgery in space! Thank you, we did liver! Yeah, that's what we need. Now, there are people here who want to talk to us about this. I think so. I see uh, a demonstration of, like, one of these in blood infuser packets that you hang. Yeah. Like, how do liquids behave in no-gravity environments? This is crazy to me. Yeah, uh, water. That, and there's a demo. There's a video showing you exactly it how looks like jello <laughs> oh really it acts like jello because the only thing acting on it is surface tension there's no hydrostatic pressure at all oh, wow. so it climbs up a wall just like spider-man wow. anything it sticks to it climbs up and the important thing about filling this dome up is the shape of the dome is really influences how it fills up in zero gravity because if you fill that thing up and obviously we want to cover a wound we don't want a big bolus of air right in the middle right right so the shape of the dome is very important huh so how do you research these kinds of things here on Earth that are that's, applied up that's, in the... That's uh, the problem is you can't, you can't, you really can't, you can simulate it in the computer, right? Oh, okay. But you can't perform the experiment, right? You can't do a zero gravity experiment anywhere but in zero gravity. And it'll call that where we went is microgravity, right? Because Virgin Galactic, you know, sends these ships up there and they don't promise zero gravity, they promise <laughs> microgravity. Like right. the moon. Like the moon, microgravity. Okay. So, so this experiment went up on Virgin Galactic's uh, Spaceship 2 last uh, May. Wow. Uh, and what we're interested in, in, in is thinking about how to do surgery in zero gravity. So specifically, if you have a wound, 
that wound needs to be contained. So the, if, especially if you have an arterial wound where you have blood going everywhere, contaminates oh everything. Gosh. You want to be able to, to contain the wound and then also provide access. So we have these little uh, hemispherical domes called surgical immersion domes uh, that basically you can peel the bottom off, stick it over the wound, and you're basically doing endoscopic surgery outside the body. So the, the fluid does two things. One is it, it clears the visual field, so it brings the bleeding away, and then you can elevate the blood in the, or the water in the dome with pressure. So it's like putting your thumb on the wound, right? And then we have ports in the side so you can stick your instruments through the walls and actually do suturing stapling you know that kind of thing so that's so we call I call that a space band-aid that thing it looks like a little hemispherical shell and we have a demo so we were invited to the uh, Smithsonian in April to do the ACC challenge which is where all of the ACC schools sent uh, art art uh, performance art you know traditional art um, lighting and then engineering projects okay. and things like that. So we made this little demo for the kids. So with one of the first versions of the dome, so they can fill it and empty it. You know, just in one G, it's hard enough. Right? So, but we do have a so part of this is the fact that that was fully automated. So nobody turned a switch or anything like that. We got 24 volts from the from the spacecraft. We had to figure out when it got to zero gravity and trigger to run its, it had about 35 steps in the sequence, right? If it doesn't trigger correctly, it comes back down, nothing's happened. Okay. It doesn't turn itself on, then you're like sunk because there's no do-overs, <laughs> right? So long before we sent this up, we went to NASA Glenn where they have a 2.2 second drop tower. It was basically oh. a seven story building wow. that used to have a distillation column in it and they used it to make jet fuel. They would take regular gas, distill it, right, to, to get wow. high-octane jet fuel. Now that they make jet fuel at the refineries, they decommission that and they turn it into a drop tower. So this big, giant electromagnet in the ceiling, Whoa. right? Well, you actually stand on the fourth floor and load your stuff in this carriage. It wheels up to Whoa. the top. They turn on the electromagnet. Everybody clears, and then they let it go, and it drops seven stories into a giant airbag. Huh. So we put a little box together with our... Uh, our controller and the algorithm that, that was, we were designing to trigger zero gravity to make sure that it didn't prematurely. So trigger. you had two seconds to do your experiment. 2.2 2 seconds. 2.2 seconds. Just, just to trigger. So that we were just testing to make sure that it triggered at the right time, not prematurely or whatever. Because the problem with that rocket is, you know, the rocket is attached to an aircraft that's going up 55,000 feet. Sure. The rocket drops from the belly of that and it ignites, goes into space inverted. And it's zero gravity, burns all of its microgravity, right? Burns all of its fuel, and then it's like a hang glider. Yeah. Right? So the fact that it's a rocket, we reached 4.7 Gs, Mach 3.5, when that thing went off, right? So you need to make sure that when it's in free fall, right, that when it drops from the plane, it's not going to say, hey, I'm in zero gravity and yeah. trigger. Yeah. Right? You, so we had little windows of confirmation to make sure wow. that we were actually in zero gravity before wow. the thing turned on. And it, and it worked absolutely perfectly. Congratulations. We found wow. out, you know, how much volume you need to add to We wanted to get to 100 millimeters of mercury, which is about the pressure you need to overcome any ble bleeding. Okay. Right? And we found out that we need a lot more fluid, right, than we use on 1G. 1G, we did all those tests, right? But in zero gravity, you need a lot more fluid to get the same levels of pressure. So we learned a lot, injected a little fake blood. Yeah. We've got a little utensil there we call the uh, multifunctional surgical wand. 
So most, uh, when you think about surgery, there's all kind of people involved. You might have a utensil for suction, a utensil for irrigation, a utensil for cautery. We're trying to combine all of those into one unit. So that little white handle device does uh, suction, irrigation, illumination, and Sienna here is working on her master's degree, really? developing, a, a, putting a cautery tip in the in it, into that. So we can oh. do old-fashioned thermal cautery in a single device. And the cool thing about that shaft that you see right there, that's 3D printed out of stainless steel. Okay. Right? Yeah. So we can make custom uh, instruments with this new 3D printing technology. And what you see in the front are those surgical handles. The sure. idea is that, you know, if you think you're going to provide surgery and you're going to need a scalpel, yeah. well, you don't want to send a scalpel up there because you may never need it. So send a bunch of packs of the, of the blades and then have a 3D printer oh. and 3D print the handle, right? Hook the scalpel on it, use it. Then you can sterilize the, the, the scalpel and then melt the 3D printer and handle and reuse it. You there know? you so go. Multi-use. All of these, you know, this new technology. And we're certainly not the only... Uh, group that NASA's um, funding to develop surgical capacity in space, right? It's it's a big, you know, it's been on their minds for you know ten or ten plus years. So I need to ask: Has surgery ever been performed in space? Uh, mi minor, minor, uh, sir, right? Okay. On, but so the thing about like the ISS, right? Yeah, they can get somebody down to the ground in about an hour and a half, right? They have emergency capsules. So you probably you would know. just stabilize. So this is. You know, everybody's like, what about telehealth? You know, what about, you know, guiding somebody through surgery, you know, over the radio? All of these astronauts are going to have to have some surgical capacity, talent, training, because the further you get away from Earth, the longer the latency is yeah. in communication, right? You're not yeah. going to have a direct line to call yeah. a bunch of doctors. Everybody's going to have to have a little training. Um, and something's going to happen. You know, they're going to accidentally nick and get a oh, yeah. cut, need stitches, they're going to have an appendicitis, or oh, man. even maybe an impacted tooth. Or so you don't know what's going to happen, right? So that's why we're thinking about blaster that. injury. There we go, blasters, blasters. Sure. You never know, right? Hey, don't have to worry. If we see stormtroopers, we're safe. Right. <laughs> All right. So last question. Yeah. People, are, listeners are probably wondering. I'm never getting into space. Would there be any kind of on earth applications for the kinds of things you're developing like this cauterizing tool right so like the multifunction surgical device longer you're in during surgery more times you switch instruments it only increases like clinical uh, surgical related inf infections so with this we can minimize those or people who have, have adverse reaction to anesthesia right. the least amount of time under anesthesia the better so right. especially with that tool you could use it for that or even in like more rural medicine applications where maybe they don't have the space or they don't have a way to get all these instruments all the time you just have this one that they can keep reusing and use it for multiple different things so so cool. It's great meeting you all. Thanks for telling us Thanks all about surgery and space. You can come learn about them right now at the Louisville Maker Fair through 6 o'clock. Come on down to UofL. Uh, and right next to the surgery and space is Forward Radio. My goodness. The uh, volunteer shift has changed, and we've got K.A. Owens in the house. Welcome, K.A. Hey, guys. Uh, Great to be here at the University of Louisville. This is my alma mater. I got, yes. got two degrees from here. I love walking around campus and seeing all the new buildings. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Every It's like every 15 minutes they put up a new building. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I just hope that the, that the quality of the education matches the real estate. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's, That's what we're working on. We all, we all hope that, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> we do. 
And Amy Smalley's here from Perks of Being a Book Lover. You got your recording rig set up. We've gotten some promos today. People walking by recorded some promos. Ja'Cory Arthur did one. You got Ja'Cory doing a station ID for us. That's so cool. Yeah, you've got... You've got demonstrated for people how easy it is to make your own podcast and then broadcast, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So come visit us at the Ford Radio Table. We're here until 6 p.m. at the Louisville Maker Fair. You can pick up one of our awesome bumper stickers or uh, lapel pins and and sport your Forward Radio love. we got a tip jar if you want to get in on some early giving for good louisville uh don't miss out on that coming up on thursday but you can throw a few bucks in the jar right now to support us uh brian do you want to wander down out out of the ballroom yeah we should go we should go take a look out of the room okay there how, much, how much longer are we live I think we'll be live until two o'clock or so. Uh, there are booths scattered about both There's some things outside, inside and outside. Let's head outside. It's still a nice day out. Uh, it's rain may be coming later in the day, but right now it is good weather to come on out to the University of Louisville and gather around the clock tower with us. We heard about clocks, and uh, you know, I've always wondered about. Why do we have a clock tower? And now I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Handy for the society. Because back in the day... Oh, there's the robotic dog. It, it's not fuzzy at all. I don't know. I like pets because they're cuddly. This one doesn't look cuddly. No, I don't know. It looks like there's someone trying to cuddle it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of kids around it here in the foyer at the, at the Maker Fair. Uh, yellow and black robotic dog. It doesn't have a head. It doesn't drool. But it's got... Uh, <laughs> It's you don't have to body. feed it, but I bet you got to plug it in every now and then. Okay, now. Get started off fixed. Brian, <laughs> Brian, you know a lot more about dogs than I do. Uh, you can pet the robotic dog, and it might give you some feedback. If you were to equate this to an actual dog breed, which would it be? This looks like something like um, a Weimar runner. Is that the? Is that the one? Oh my goodness! Look at this thing moving down this. Now it looks like. Well, hello. <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, it's moving right around It is us. ignoring us and yeah. eager to go back to the ballroom. I think it has to pee. Oh, it might have to. Yeah, it definitely is on a mission. Everyone's <laughs> chasing it down the... I don't know what kind of dog that is. That is the coolest science fiction looking thing, though. I'm a little creeped out by it. I got to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I like pets, but that to me is a little creepy. Uh, I don't know why either. It shouldn't be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, not, the, it's not much of a cat. <laughs> the robotic dog is here at the Louisville Maker Fair. If you want to just wander the halls, you will run into it and have the opportunity to pet it. Yeah. And, and um, feels great. Feels great. Feels like plastic under your skin. So we're heading outside into this beautiful day and some tents that are out and about. Ooh, the we've got folks from the Kentucky Science Center here. Uh, and they are helping the kids get active, right? Yeah, I can see that there are a lot of kids' activities here, a lot of people touching things. Uh, I see some printmaking going on. I see some, uh, I see, what is that, paper making over there? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure what's happening. There are a lot of kids' activities. Come out and check them out for yourself. I see a kiddie pool. Uh, it looks like a giant, um, what was it, etch a sketch? Are they no, mixing no. paint? What's it? Marble painting. That's what it is. Yeah. Hi. What's going on here at the the science center's booth? We um, made this gyro table out of a 
thing that we used to have in the Science Center, so we had that part left over. So we made this large-scale version of marble painting. Okay. Um, we're resetting right now, but yeah. I have some tennis balls, some balls with holes, some wooden balls, oh. every type of ball in here. And so every guest that walks by adds a new color. So So you put the paper down in the kiddie pool and yep. then you roll the paintballs over. Yep, absolutely. Gotcha yeah, okay. it's awesome. <laughs> it's so much fun. We also have some letter presses that we made oh. and we also have a uh, boat activities to practice buoyancy. And then we also, behind me, we have marble painting on a smaller scale. So you can take that artwork home with you, and it's just using marbles and trays. Oh, nice. so, yeah. That's like a, a little index card-sized art you can make yeah. by uh, dolloping a little paint onto your marble yeah. and then rolling it over the... That's so cool. Yeah. Um, Shane right here, he actually made our um, letter presses, and they're awesome. He's a genius. <laughs> okay, Shane, you're a genius here at the Kentucky Science Center. Uh, tell us about these letter presses. All right. Uh, well, yeah, so we um, laser cut these letter presses uh, in-house using uh, our makerspace at the Kentucky Science Center. They have one too, Brian. There are makerspaces everywhere. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and so this is really our showcase of what, uh, what the Science Center believes it is to be a maker, uh, which is to take uh, items and make something unique out of them. Yeah. So these are laser cut out of wood, is that right? And then you roll the ink onto them? So yes, it's actually um, it's quarter inch acrylic and uh, wood okay. and a rolling pin. And okay. you make a printing plate out of a cutting board and foam or oh. Legos and Lego tile bricks. Oh. And then we spread ink across them, run them through the uh, the letterpress to transfer that, that plate. And then the kids can take home these prints and put them on their fridge. Absolutely. It becomes a work of art. <laughs> well, very Is this something that people can regularly interact with at the Kentucky Science Center? Uh, so the Kentucky Science Center has a place we call Maker Place. Yeah. Uh, Maker Place is a maker space. And uh, the educator who's in that space gets to change the activities around to be engineering, technology, art, and we really want it to be uh, dynamic. Yeah. And every time you come up, something new, something fresh. The Kentucky Science Center, if you haven't been, very interactive space, right? <laughs> Absolutely, very interactive. Check them out down on Main Street. Uh, are you guys open seven days a week or what? We are. We are wow. open seven days a week until 5 o'clock. Wow. And, of course, you just had an amazing amount of summer camps and things like that. Uh, anything you want to promote coming up in the fall at the Science Center? Uh, so we do have uh, Maker Days coming up okay. uh, in November. Uh, be on the lookout for that. That is where we uh, kind of do a showcase of community makers as well, very similar to Maker Fair. Uh, we also have Dino Days coming up. Uh, that is next Saturday. That is where we are doing uh, just a dinosaur celebration because everyone loves nice. dinosaurs. And you might remember we just got our uh, Lottie, our, our new dinosaur. I just laid my eyes on Lottie. Yes, yeah, very cool. Yep. And so he, she's up on the elevator shaft again. And um, <laughs> I believe there there is some discussion about the name. Where we ran a uh, <laughs> contest trying to get the uh, name, figure out what it is, and we will announce what the winner is. Oh. I know that Louisville kind of referred to it as Lottie, but we yeah. we are seeing if that's going to stay. <laughs> well, great. Thanks for being here at the Louisville Maker Fair. This is so fun. Oh, not a problem. Pleasure to be here. It's great. Uh, all right. Enjoy the rest of the day. Keep those kids printing. This is cool. 
um, right next door down on Main Street is the KMAC Museum, and they happen to have a booth right next door to the Kentucky Science Center here at the Louisville Maker Fair. Um, so you can check that out. Come on down right outside the Student Activity Center. Kentucky Museum of Art and Craft is so cool, uh, and they have so many things to share with you here at the Louisville Maker Fair, including a wide variety of instruments. What kind of instruments are these? Hey, you're live on Forward Radio. Tell us about your booth here. Uh, my name is Daniel Graham, hey, and Daniel. I'm an artist and professor here in Kentucky. All right. And we're here with the K-Mac Museum. And uh, so I'm in the triennial currently with some artwork and sculpture, but I brought some instruments that are just fun that yeah. you guys can see. So uh, so we have everything from banjos to violins. Um, this is an electric tea kettle banjo. What? So it's, have you ever seen anything like that, Brian? <laughs> like this. Can you make tea in it still? Yeah. <laughs> no, I wish I could make tea in it, but I can make some electric music. Oh, let's listen in. Wow. Now that's a that's a bluegrass sound I haven't heard before. <laughs> That's like something else. Banjo. That's awesome. So this is your creation? Yes, yes, completely. All of these are handmade by me from scratch. So I try and make everything possible that I can. So I don't buy anything from the store unless I absolutely have to. Uh, like the strings or the fret wire, but everything else, every yeah. nut, every bolt is made from scratch. And tell us about this banjo. It looks like it has a laser etched it's a hand face. Cut, it's a hand cut linoleum block that's printed on the inside. Um, wow. And this, one, this one's kind of slick because you can adjust the volume really well. So... change the sound I can actually dampen it and make it super quiet oh wow oh wow that's amazing that's really neat wow so are, are, are you so you're, you're making everything yourself you're ma building these yourself are you using traditional methods and materials, or are you trying to do something innovative? Yeah. Both. Well, I think innovation can also come from tradition. I don't think it has to be... Like, I've used everything from laser engravers to, like, fancy CNC's. I really don't care what ever gets the job done. Okay. So these ones are traditionally made with no electricity, so everything made from scratch by hand. So hand tools only. Yes. Um, but I also have ones that, if I don't want to do that, then definitely I'll be using a laser engraver, a laser cutter, or anything else I need. Oh, cool. Cool. Tell us about this white one on the end. I don't even know to ask you what type of instrument this is. <laughs> so traditionally banjos, traditionally banjos were made out of gourds. Right. So you have like a it's gourd an African thing. instrument, Correct. right? So you have this nice little beautiful little instrument. We're looking at a banjo that's made out of a gourd that has two sections in it. I don't yeah. know what they're called, right? But it's playing over those two sections. Right. Now. Imagine this is a lot bigger. A lot of people want a bigger resonance or a bigger gourd. Okay. I have black thumbs. I can't grow anything. I, <laughs> I can make stuff out of dead stuff, but I can't make stuff out of, you know, I can't grow it. So I decided to make make a larger gourd, and so this is a ceramic-bodied banjo. Oh, right. wow. This is like a ceramic flower pot you'd buy at a, wow. at a garden store. So it gives that nice deep resonance yeah. and everything else. And so that's the same thing but a four string guitar. 
So if you play guitar, it's the bottom four strings of the tenor guitar. Okay. So if you play guitar? No. Oh, I, don't <laughs> I don't either, but my wife did, so I made it for her. So. All right, very cool. Very yeah. cool. So so this is also, the white one is also a pot. Correct. For the, so, yeah, ceramic, ceramic pot, pot. With a core, it's got a uh, goat, skin, a goat skin head on it, and so it uh, bounces around and resonates the sound. That's really incredible. We are here with the Maker Fair. We are at the KMAC Museum booth, which is outside of the sack on former Brook Street, which has turned into a walking path now. We've got a lot of folks out here. And uh, tell us your name again. Daniel Graham. Daniel Graham, and he is an instrument maker and uh, faculty from a Kentucky... Georgetown College. I'm in Georgetown College in Georgetown, Kentucky. And what department are you in? I teach in the art department. teach sculpture and printmaking. Very cool, and could probably teach some instrument making, too, if that comes around. Absolutely. All right, well, thank you for coming out and showing us your instruments. And people can buy instruments from you, custom instruments, Absolutely. I guess. You have a card here, so, jdgram.net. Yep. All right. And then on Instagram, Daniel Graham or Graham Instruments. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much, and good luck to, good luck to you. All right, thank you kindly. Absolutely. And people can see you at KMAC, too, your, your work there? Currently at the KMAC, they have a triennial up, and there's three of my works there on display, uh, downstairs and upstairs. It's a fantastic show. Awesome. If you can make it out to KMAC, you'll see some of this great work those are instruments there also right actually it's like uh you'll really enjoy it. it's deer on stilts that are like 11 feet tall and they have like two 18 foot robots hanging from the walls it's really really cool so wow. the innovation never stops wow. all right good to meet you that's so cool i uh, want to apologize to our listeners on the radio the internet cut out on us a bit there uh but you can catch the full podcast version at forwardradio.org after we're done here we'll be posting that uh sharing with you some of the highlights from the louisville maker fair let's let's hope the internet keeps with us as we go on to momentum motorsports you can learn more about them at momentumky.com they've got a historic motor vehicle here on the UofL campus with the hood up brian i can see that and i also see that the headlights oh. maybe are they're, they don't. Oh. They don't. They don't strike me as traditional. No, they don't. Yeah. I just good. Good catch on. Well, that. that's the only thing. I, I I don't know hardly anything about these <laughs> about these. But maybe somebody here can tell us a little bit yeah. more about them. Would you? We're on the radio live. Would you like to talk to us or would? Oh boy, my husband just left. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do we have my, here? My booth is over there. But no, this is um, a do-it-yourself garage. Oh. So you you know it has all the tools, lifts available for you to use. All you you know basically it's so you don't have to work on your car in the driveway. Oh, that's pretty cool. And where's the garage located? It's located on Hull Street over there on Payne near Breckenridge Franklin, like where Distillery Commons is, that kind of that area over there. Oh, yeah, very good. And so uh, do people need a membership or? So he does it by the hour, by the day, or by the month. So all kinds of options depending on how big your job is. Okay. And was this is this uh, an example of the kind of work that can be done in the garage? Is that the idea? Yes. So his, this is his friend's truck. And I think they spent not this summer, but the previous summer working on that in the shop. And he's got another one there right now. So it's really big on community. So everyone kind of hangs out together, works on, um, you know, you always have help of others there while you're, you know, while you're working. Well, it's so important when you're working on a vehicle. By yourself, it's really hard. Right, and building community in general these days, right? That's super hard. It's really nice that you all are doing this around this important skill. Uh, do you all do any training at all for folks? Well, we are We are getting ready. My organization, Side by Side, a nonprofit, we do a lot of apprenticeship programs. So I'm going to partner with my husband, and we're hoping to do an apprenticeship program for kids ages like 
16 to 22 where they do like a six-week program where they learn all like the basic skills of you know mounting tires changing batteries that sort of thing and then they're going to have it we're going to have local mechanic shops come in and hire kids hopefully on the spot well that sounds fantastic and people can find out more about that at uh, momentumky.com is that right yep, that's right yep all right, very cool. Thank you for coming out to the Maker Fair today. And what was your other organization? Uh, mine, Side by Side Studio. Okay, well, we're going to go down. Is there somebody down there we can talk to when yes, we get down, down there? Yeah. All right, we look forward to it. Yeah. Have a great day. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Very All right. cool. Momentum Motorsports here at the Louisville Maker Fair. Uh, we are broadcasting live using the Wi-Fi available to us. Apologies to folks for the few dropouts we may be having. This is a John Deere tractor brian do you have you ever seen a tractor like that before uh, not one <laughs> not one that has the um sort of entire body cut out of it and has a plexiglass screen so we can see the batteries in sequence here it looks here. to me like it's an electric lawnmower. i think it's definitely an electric lawnmower um see if we can learn a little more about it here we, we, this is the kind of place where you can come and see maybe the future of lawn mowing brian yeah. <laughs> We're from uh, we're from Forward Radio Live. Would you like to tell us what we're looking at here? Sure. This is a uh, 48 volt electric lawnmower. Okay. Uh, it was a perfectly functioning 13 horsepower gas John Deere that I took the engine out and it's sitting in my garage right now ah. with nothing to do. <laughs> um, and I put four batteries in it, wired in series, and got a electric motor off of eBay. It's meant for go-karts oh. and a chain and sprocket that connects to uh, the original pulley. Um, I had to get a lathe in order to uh, uh, machine the output shaft, and that was a very fun gift to myself. <laughs> no doubt at all, no doubt at all. So were you just doing this for fun? Uh, for fun and to get more educated on electric vehicles. Oh, okay. Cool. And what's your name? My name's Andy. Okay. Andy, thanks a lot for coming out to yep. the Maker Fair. And are you just showing this off today? Is that the idea? Yep. Cool. Any showing it off, answering questions, uh, it, it, seeing what ideas people have. Anybody can do it. I suppose. If you have a lathe. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have a mill, let me know. <laughs> All right, Andy's and, right, Andy's right outside the sack. Come see him. And will there be tractor rides later? Are you gonna are you gonna do a little joyride? Uh, I might ride it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good street for it. It's closed I told off. The organizers that I wouldn't let kids ride it. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. A lot of safety for us. Safety. Yeah. Right, well, there are some limitations, but this looks like a fantastic piece of equipment. Thanks for coming out and showing us today and inspiring everybody with this. Thanks. Absolutely. All right, coming out and join us. We're going to keep walking around. Are we going to? Are we going to stay outside? Are we going to ri risk the internet drop? I think we are, Brian. We are living on the edge here at the Louisville Maker Fair. Quite on the edge. Uh, we, we want to expose you to all the cool booths out here outside on this lovely day. With it's not, it's clouded. I love a nice cloudy day. We don't get enough of those around here. I grew up in Ohio. We we got clouds all the time. Up there, is that right? <laughs> well, yeah. Anybody should come out. It's a mild day. The temperature is lovely. Uh, there's so much stuff to do out here, so many people to see. If it's been a while since you've been down to Belknap campus, you'll really be blown away. We've got electric-powered go-karts rolling around this place. I guess they're trying to help you learn to make your own stuff. we got more just maker spaces. Every, every other table is a maker space of some kind. All kinds of really interesting art out here um, at the Maker Fair. If you're into engineering of any type, especially DIY stuff, I mean, I, I can't even describe it all. The variety of <laughs> machines, 
there are, fail us. I mean, really, the amount of pulleys and slinkies and batteries and uh, nuts and bolts around here, it's amazing. So, Brian, I, I've been wondering if you know, if you could tell me what time it is on Mars. Oh, well, uh, let's see. <laughs> There's a piece of technology here to help. Oh, 23. 223? 223 yeah. on Mars. Is, it, is that AM or PM on Mars? And that's 223 in the morning. 223 in the morning on Mars. All right. Is this, and, and, and how do we know these things? <laughs> so uh, this is uh, the time at the Prime Meridian. It's analogous to like uh, GMT here on Earth. Uh, why, are we, why are we doing this here? What's the, what, what, are, what are we trying to inspire people with, with this information? Okay, so uh, originally uh, my plan was to uh, raise uh, insects for colonists to consume on Mars, wow. you know? Wow. They'll uh, take up a lot less space and use a lot less resources sure. than uh, traditional livestock. And so what I wanted to do was to, like, raise them and treat them on, on Mars time. So I wanted to have something to control the lights and, and all that stuff. So uh, out of that, the uh, the Mars clock was born. Oh, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. And, and so you made this at level one? I did, yeah. Tell us about, tell us about the space. So uh, level one is a makerspace, hackerspace. Uh, we have uh, 3D printers, uh, laser cutters, wood shop, metal shop, all the tools you need, any project you want to do. Uh, if you don't have the tools for it, come on down. We'll show you how to use them. And you're located in Butchertown now? Uh, yeah, we are. Uh, we've been down there for a couple of years, uh, like right next to the stadium. Right. Uh, Tuesday nights are our open hacking and uh, making night. Uh, so. Uh, it's the best time for first-timers to come down, get a tour of the space. Yeah. Tuesday nights, what time does that start? Uh, what is it, 8 o'clock? Yeah, here we go. We got some, we got some cards, we got some stickers Okay. Here. Oh, cool. Level 1 Hacker Space, East Washington Street, and uh, Tuesday at 8 p.m. is the open meeting right here on it. So. Uh, anyone's invited? Is there are there fees associated with Hackerspace? Uh, we are membership based. It's about fifty bucks a month. Um, but if you want to come on uh, the time to open to the public, uh, anytime a member's is, uh, available in the space, uh, you can come on down and, and check us out. All right, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that information, and thanks for sharing your Mars clock with yeah, us. I think that's I that's fantastic. Do we have a, do we have different clocks over here or what? No, no, no. This is this is a kinematic sculpture. Okay. Uh, it's an artist's expression, a mechanical expression for life. Okay. Okay. Like the board game. So so here's a person and he's spinning around. It oh, yeah. is a mechanical contraption, right? Okay. I've got a blue person spinning on a a, a post. And there's a whole bunch of gears at the bottom, but basically. <laughs> We're on radio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all being creative today. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you need to see it. We'll tell you that. You need to believe it. The limitations of the but there's a bunch of gears that are moving a bunch of stuff around. Yeah. And the net effect is a person is lost in space between three goals oh. of being wealthy or famous oh. or in love. Okay. All the gears drive all these goals as this person is spinning around. The mechanism is a Stuart platform. It's what they use for flight simulators. The gears are epicyclic gears. And at the bottom, the drive motor is the hidden force that makes it all happen. Wow. That's amazing. And, and you, you made this 
I took a wood board and cut it into a bunch of gears and made this just for the food. At the hackerspace? Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's that's what you do. <laughs> so anybody can do anything Whatever like floats your boat, you can do it. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your art with us. That's fantastic. Thank you. People should check out the Level 1 hackerspace. Been around for quite a few years and making great art and interesting scientific uh, innovations. Thank you guys very much. I've got... Um, Got a picture of the eyes, or oh, the eyes are moving. Yeah, I'm That's not sure creepy. if they're following us. Is this a? Oh, it's a Super flux capacitor. capacitor. Wow! I thought we were back to the uterus again no, for a second. No, this is like a uterus. it really does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do we press it? Where is it? Here? Here? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Thirty-seven, thirty-nine. Here we go, we're getting up to 80 miles an hour. It is yeah, 55. 60. Yeah. Oh, oh it's starting to spark. Okay. And it's 80 miles an hour. Ah! Oh, and now it's all coming back. Wow, pretty cool. Thanks. That took me back. Here we have a Oh, yeah, because they never go long enough. So we. Yeah, it's like a treadmill for slinkies. Oh, this is good. Slinkies need exercise. Whoa. This is cool. That's very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Come on out and turn the crank yourself at the Maker Fair. Got musical instruments. What a bunch of cool things. Wow. And we are back with the U of L Mechanical Engineering Department. I know they do these fun like go kart yeah. things. This one's been through some that one has seen some mud. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> There is a whole uh, kids maker space. People are making little to toy cars and things like that here with Louisville Collegiate. Uh, very fun. Oh, and then they have a little go-kart racing track for those. Uh, we're getting close to the food trucks, and I can almost smell it, Brian. I'm I'm getting on towards lunchtime, I yeah, think. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get pretty hungry myself. This might be a mistake coming over here to the food court. But we'll just be live broadcasting for a few more minutes here on Forward Radio. We want to encourage you to come on out to the Louisville Maker Fair here at the University of Louisville campus. Right around the clock tower. We are standing right beneath that clock tower interviewing folks who are involved in the Maker Fair. And hoping you will come out to enjoy this unique once a year experience that hasn't happened since 2019. COVID, thankfully, has relieved a little bit, and uh, people are able to get back together. We are standing there a blast furnace now. Uh, I, I, I think it was hot enough today, but some heat is being added. Oh, yeah. You can have, you can see the there's a visual distortion here that's so hot, come, the, the material's so hot coming out of this oven, but that's okay. They have some barriers. They have people with safety equipment. Yes. Looks like they're making a giant pizza right now. No, I don't think it's pizza. It's, right? I, I can't tell. It's a little far away. But, uh, oh, look, they're putting honey on it. It's not honey. That's Brian. not honey. It's okay. glass. I need to get a little closer. <laughs> Come out. See for yourself. So we are at the glass blowing booth. Uh, they're, you know, glass blowing, they take these long rods and then they spin the heck out of them and they apply these different calipers and tools to make different shapes. And then they blast it in the furnace to melt that glass. You know, glass is still a liquid even when it's installed in your house. Are you telling me that the windows in my in my house are still liquid? 
basically liquid. And in old, old buildings, you see how the glass warps a little bit? Sure. That's the mo actual molecules of glass moving over time. Oh, that's so creepy. I, I wonder <laughs> I, I wonder if they'll crawl up the wall. Is there any danger here? I had no idea. We have li we have liquid in our, in our house where we thought we had solids. The things you learn at the Maker Faire. That's right. That's right. Oh, I can't stand near this heat. It's too hot. It's too hot. Um, there is stuff inside the Red Barn, too? Oh, my goodness. They've really... You want to check out the Red Barn and see what we've got? We're live broadcasting from the Louisville Maker Fair with me, Justin Mogg, and Brian Barnes on your community radio station. This is what we love to do. We love to get out in the community and share the love with you all and encourage you to get engaged, too. That's what this station is all about, community engagement. Uh, and makers of all kinds are here at the Louisville Maker Fair. And, oh, it's a presentation here in the Red Barn. That's what's going on. I see a bunch of urban planners here. There's Patrick Puma. Puma from the uh, Urban Design Studio is here. Yeah, and we have some some uh, plans for the city. Is that what that is? It? Let's, I see the Capitol Holding Building. Yeah, I see a giant model of the entire city. So, wow. I, we, we don't want to interrupt the proceedings, but that is going on in the Red Barn right now. Uh, you, too, can check out the Urban Design Studio here on display at the Louisville Maker Fair. How do we make a city that works for everybody? That's the kind of question that people are tackling in the urban design studio and we are back live here on forward radio with me justin mogg bringing you a special live broadcast from the louisville maker fair and you know things happen on live broadcasts like your uh, laptop suddenly loses all battery power so we're gonna wrap it up here brian uh it has been fun roaming around what, what was your favorite booth today my favorite booth today i tell you i really enjoyed talking to the people at first build they, cool? they had a lot of fun stuff going on yeah they were really trying to get people to think differently about creativity, and I like the multi-layered approach. But I have to say, I like so many of the great uh, innovators and thinkers that are out here, and they're sh they have such pretty things also, a lot of really attractive art and yes. and technology. But, yeah, for me, first build was, took the cake, I think. We're back live at the Louisville Maker Fair. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you've been enjoying our special broadcast from this year's Louisville Maker Fair with me, Justin Mogg, and Brian Barnes. Brian, before we cut out, I was going to ask you, you know, have you, as you go around and meet these makers and see the way they're thinking, does, do you see, like, critical thinking happening here in a different way than you normally conceive of it? Well, not, not in a different way than I normally conceive of okay. it, but the nice thing about this particular approach is that people are very focused on process right that's the thing in, in our day-to-day -day lives that might be the normal place we're not always as focused on process we keep trying things till they work and a lot of times we're a little bit random but here they're really trying to figure out why a thing works and if it didn't work exactly why it didn't work and and how to move around the thinking landscape so that they can be the most efficient so i really like the focus on process yeah. focus on purpose focus on questions I and mean, there just isn't enough of that in our day-to-day -day life and i don't know maybe all of us would be very creative and very innovative if we did a little bit more of that stuff do you think actual process of making something attempting to make something does that engage our brains differently than the typical you know you're a philosopher like the the typical 
academic exercise or intellectual exercise where we're kind of all in our heads. Is there something about actually physically making something that is different? Well, it is because we bring something into the world, which is super important. And I think a lot of people really get a shot in the arm in terms of motivation when they can make something. Uh, We also get to bring in some concrete um, physical... um, characteristics we might not always be thinking about how plastics work how wood works how metal works how water works but now we can bring that into our philosophical musings and we can learn a little bit more about how these everyday uh, you know media end up uh, coming together to help us do new things and I think once we get a a new insight into an old object or an old uh, uh, material then then that really sets our thinking off in a new direction and that can be really really helpful so yeah i think i I think these these kinds of making activities also the linking of the body and the mind explicitly you know all that's really positive stuff you know and i wanted to ask you justin what about a lot of stuff got made out here but maybe not a lot of sustainability what do you say about that you know we're running out of time to answer that question we get <laughs> just got a few seconds left before we send you back to the studio uh for some great programming here on forward radio uh we're about to bring you counterspin and then on the edge with ka owens but yeah i think thinking about the sustainability of our materials is always an important thing and uh, it has been great live broadcasting to you from the maker fair here at uofl what fun we've had yeah. uh, and we encourage you there's still three hours left of the, I'm sorry, four hours left of the fair. So come on out to the clock tower here at UofL and check out our booth at Forward Radio and get part of making media that matters.